<laughs> Let's just start the show. I got some you're crap to say. You're getting out of control, dude. <laughs> I got some shit to say, I've been yo. bottling this I up. Got I got some shit to, this to say. I listened to the show. Let's, let's go. <laughs> you can't tell me that you weren't laughing your ass off. When you oh, dude, the whole time. Oh, huh, yeah. I want to find my compass. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the greatest holly in the world. And you know, if I wasn't in school so much, I'd just be fired for Oh, yeah. Hey, everybody. RC Alienation version 2.0. I am Dan. This is episode 117. The gang is all here this time. Even Jesse. What is up, guys? <laughs> Jesse, what's going or on, say, dude? Or, or should I say, what is up, guys? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm really not sure how I'm supposed to talk anymore. <laughs> Nick and Justin are here. The whole per- it's Yes. A- <laughs> Jesse's just back to, he has to, uh, <laughs> has a little bit of retaliation, I think. In yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got to get some Johnson. I was thinking, man, they they must really think I don't listen to the show. My own, you know, the show that I'm on. <laughs> oh, first of all, some big news for Jesse this week. Are you sure you're ready for this, man? Oh man, I'm not. I well, yes, I am sure. Uh, there you go. You want yeah. me to edit that out? Yes. Because someone else listens to the show too, dude. I was going to say I'm not sure, but I, I am sure. You're yes, sure. I'm sure about. I'm sure about the news. Yes. So, you, you know what marriage is, right? Yeah, I read a book on it Did once. You? No, no. See, here, here's the deal. Marriage is the beginning of a woman's life and the end of a man's. Hmm. I noticed I the other two are not that? saying anything. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, no, there's no disagreeing. There's no agreeing, yeah. but there's no disagreeing. We're trained. <laughs> We're trained. <laughs> <laughs> In all seriousness, dude, I, I uh, that's awesome. Congratulations. That's a big. That's a yes. milestone. And, yeah, uh, thank you guys. I'm super excited. We wish you all the best. Hopefully, I'm exci- you know why I'm excited. Why is that? It's gonna. It'll level the playing field. It will. Yeah, it is going to with actual flights. You're not going to be able to get out and do 38 flights in a dude, day. She now. she comes out to the field with me. I was going to oh. say, what do you mean, dude? Dude, that that's not going to change gonna anything. I would that's I would gonna bet. I'm going to bet that's not going to change. You don't think so? Because I that can was guaranteed. Freaking T. That was my going to change. That was in my proposal. I was like, you know, will you marry me? Wait, and then I laid out all the rules. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> Don't answer. Uh-huh. Okay. Don't answer. There is a here lot of rules here. Sign here, oh. dot here, initial here. You know. <laughs> Let's go get this. Oh, to be so young and so young and naive again, uh. <laughs> dude. We've. I've, it's almost been five years already. I know. You might as yeah, well be well. married, man. Yeah. It's like, you know. So. Don't let them scare you, Jesse. <laughs> it is possible. It is. <laughs> it is possible. It's rare, yeah. but it's possible. You know, Nick. You know what I'm seeing is it's just gonna it's just gonna rub it in that much more when I am married and get in 38 flights a week. Oh, it's just I gonna be it that is. more of a you know punch right in the gut. I'm gonna. I'm so defeated at this point. I'm gonna make a marker. Of this. I'm gonna remember this very this moment. One minute, 24 seconds into episode 117. So in five years, I can replay this for Jesse. 
And then all right, it. we'll check in. We'll check in. <laughs> and his answer is going to be like, dude, I could easily do that. Um, I just choose not to. Who's going to watch the kids? Yeah. Well, one of you guys watch my kids? Oh, the kids. In five yeah. years, we're going to have plural kids? Oh, yeah, dude. It'll be yeah. like so, kids. And also, how do you get that shit smell out of the carpet? <laughs> how oh, did you geez. do that? And that, <laughs> that rotten milk smell. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Where is yeah, it so, coming you know, from? Stuff they is, don't, stuff they don't teach you at school. So, Do they you know, ever get smart? What's wrong with these kids? <laughs> this can't They're be my so kid. so freaking dumb. This kid, yeah. Genetically, this just cannot be my kid. Oh, I love it. <laughs> uh, it's going to be great. Yeah. So you were gone last week. Big, you, you I were was. driving home. Is that what you were doing? I you was, were driving home? What we were making fun of you? Yeah, I was, I was on the road the entire time while you guys were recording, yeah. making fun of me. Making I was fun of you. In, a, in the middle of a six and a half hour drive. So... You you were busy this past week. Did you get any flying in while you were away? Oh, fly! I don't even know if flying is anymore. Yeah, no fly. No. No, no, no fly. No fly. I mean, fly. so in all in all honesty, I think it's. I think we're going on two weeks now. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. Of no wow. fly. I know. Un- unfortunately, that is that is absolutely killing me. The, <laughs> I, I'm just like literally just shaking at the thought of flying. I'm just dying to get out there. And then what do you know? I wake up this morning and there's three inches of snow oh, on the dude, ground. Dude. Takes me an hour to get to work when it usually takes me a half an hour. So no. it's it's it's, bad. it's not lo- it's not looking good for the next couple of days. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> um, it's <laughs> it's just it's and not you're working good. for your entire. I mean, you're off for four weeks, but you're still working. Yeah, that exactly. Entire month, so right? I still worked forty, you know, forty hours last this last week, uh, five days, and so there's no there's no flying during the week, especially as we all know, the sun goes down. You know, four four o'clock, you're done flying anyways. If if you could get out and fly, um, so no flying during the week. Like I said, woke up this morning, tons of snow. There's still tons of snow out. This weekend is not looking all that promising. Nope. Um, that the helis are still sitting there ready to go, but that just doesn't doesn't matter when the weather's not really cooperating. So and I sim- have so there there we go. I there. I have been simming this last week, mm-hmm. thanks to Nick. I I've only got the chance to fly the agile. Um, I did download that one, and you know after doing, I think, um, I think it's eighteen hundred. Nick, is that correct? The head speed that you, the stock head speed that you're flying those with? Uh, you know, that you have it tuned for? I don't know on that one. It, it is. It changes. Okay. I, I, I think, change yeah, it think, model to so model. So I, I think it's 1800. So after what, what I had to do to that model to make it, you know, I, now it's, it's been a while since I've flown the 7HV. So I could be, I could go out there and be like, what the heck is this? <laughs> but from what I remember, I, I turned the Piro rate up to, I think, 500. Mm-hmm. And I turn the head speed up. My idle up one is set at nineteen hundred, and my idle up two is nineteen seventy five. And that seems go. to be a pretty good happy medium. You still got you know plenty of speed when you want to hit that full collective and do stuff like rainbows and really get the heli moving across the field. Yeah, it still feels very realistic, and the power just isn't absolutely crazy. Um, so the last couple nights on the sim, I have been. Um, you know, getting some stick time in and that's actually been great. Um, like we had mentioned a couple of shows ago, the, uh, some of those pairing maneuvers really sucked the first time coming back after two weeks of not really touching the sim, but 
stick with it a couple nights, put in, you know, 30, 40 minutes a night. And after two or three nights, stuff seems to come back fairly easily. Um, so I guess hopefully at, at this point, I'm hoping that's the case as well. When I go out and get some actual stick time, when the weather starts to cooperate here, um, I, I, I guess we'll see, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. The pyro flips were pretty ugly. It's like, I, I swear the last time I, <laughs> I swear the last time I flew this thing, I could hold these in one spot. And, uh, yeah, it was, was not the case the first couple of nights. So that actual is a good flying, um, good flying model on real fly, didn't it? It is. It's va- I mean, you did, there's something with the head and the responsiveness. And I think the main thing, like we've been mentioning is how floaty it is that it, it's actually extremely realistic. It's, it's in very enjoyable to fly. It makes the time go by a lot faster when you're like, wow, I really feel like this maneuver that I'm working on in real flight is going to transfer over extremely well into real life. So makes cool. the sim time that much more meaningful, which is <laughs> which is great because it is really easy to get burned out on the sim. So yeah. when you kind of get that meaningfulness back, um, it, it's good. Makes makes the time go by faster. Yeah, Nick's been geeking out on real flight. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> he's been, yeah. He's been expressing his inner geek. Yes. That's good for all of us when that happens. Yeah, it's great because we're getting access to all those files too. I know, right? It's perfect. It's like not not only are the list, I mean, the listeners taking full advantage of Nick tuning up all these models. I mean, let's not kid around. We don't want to take time to tune them either. Exactly. So. <laughs> not at all. Who's dude? got time for that? I so, agree. Com- screw that. So, crap. you know, we're, we're just as thankful as every listener out there, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I can't believe that all of you guys, you lazy bastards, not one, not like, one of you has taken the time I, to tune a real flight I go model. to fly that, and I'm like, wow, this puts my Grandi Mod Goblin to shame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the so, Grandi Mod Goblin doesn't even fly close to real life anymore. Well, not after flying that, no. And and there was a time where I was like, dude, this flies just like my heli. <laughs> this, this is 98% this is awesome. accurate. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> Ish. <laughs> Ish. Well, you know, it's it's kind of customary when um, you know somebody provides a service, you know, in a you know to tip them. And so my mm-hmm. tip Ish. for Nick is, don't put on makeup with a power tool. Yeah. Thank you. That's my tip. <sighs> yeah. I'm gonna give you a freaking tip in a minute. <laughs> I'll give you a tip, <laughs> and only the tip. <laughs> Oh, you're all right. You're teasing me. You're teasing me. Jeez. Moral compass? Uh, no, I, I Jesse, gotta, you're supposed I, to stop us when that starts happening. Yeah. yeah. You were entirely absent <laughs> last week. Like, as a result, like, guns are low. I mean, I learned a lot about myself listening to last week's show. I mean, apparently I talk very high pitch. <laughs> I absolutely love compass, hands down. I mean, they can do no wrong in my yeah. eyes. <laughs> apparently, if I, if I didn't go to college, I'd be getting in way more flights than I am right now. Yeah, and I can do a ju- a, a very good Justin impersonation. <laughs> oh yeah, dude! I mean, it's a, it's incredible the things I'll learn about which myself. Which blows my mind because the depth of my voice—you wouldn't think you would be able to span that many octaves from "Hi, my name's Jesse." <laughs> yeah, so the the crazy part is trying to bring it down from that high octave to impersonate you. It it took a long time. I'm not gonna lie, uh, you're good at. You it. know what, dude? Props. I am impressed. <laughs> Yeah. So anything else happened so, this past uh, week and a half or two weeks since you've last been on the show? Not not too much. I'm just sitting here looking at the uh, the 7HV, still looking like it has a billion flights on it. So because hopefully that next, compass my, is the best thing in the world, man. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean that? you you really did nail it. That's basically what I'd wanted to say the whole time on the show. So <laughs> Thank you. I mean, just threw it right out there. Uh, 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 no, I mean, it, you know, got a lot of flights. I'm, I'm really hoping I can get on uh, tackle my project this next week, where I can, you know, get that thing torn down and cleaned up. So, do you want to do? Do you want to? Do you want to do that for my 700 too? Um, after the 7 HV, let's go with that. But so that's definitely not a no. I mean, that's I'm, that potentially that. if the 7 HV doesn't get done, that's a no. <laughs> we'll get done. Yeah, so that's that's right, it. That's it, it. We're gonna move on. I'm 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 done. Yeah, I'm done listening to you in that high pitched voice. I don't. You just don't realize how high it is, and it's actually a little painful. So we're gonna move on. Yeah, that's fine. Well, you take care of all that in post. So that's great. <laughs> yeah, if you saw the amount of post processing that Dan did on your yeah. track, man. Oof. Yeah. So who's next? Who's up next? Who did anything fun and exciting this week? Well, we know I, what I did. Yeah, Nick geeked out on Real Flight. I did, and a, and a lot of it too. <laughs> I think I, I, I do believe that there are a couple models that I haven't got up yet, posted yet. Isn't there? Is that true? I think there's like a 600 EFL. Y- yeah, I did a 600 EFL, and I believe I think there's that... one other. A warp? No. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm slacking. Yeah, there's yeah, two you more. Are. Yeah, we've got two more. So what I did, uh, you know, I wow that. This kind of turned into a little bigger than I had ever anticipated. I started with it just myself, and then it was like, oh, well, I'll dink around with this. And then I got another one. It's like, dude, how do these people fly this crap? I mean, <laughs> no offense, but these guys put all this effort into making some, you know, cosmetically just amazing replicas, but they fly absolutely horrible. So, yeah, I set out and... and did some tuning and tweaking. It is not intuitive. I actually had someone say, well, why don't you just do a little quick little write-up on how to do that? Well, on how to, you know, tune them to get them to fly. It would seriously involve witchcraft. I mean, it would, <laughs> because there's nothing. In t- <laughs> you have to throw all numbers out and all common sense out. Real flight is the by far the most difficult um the most difficult to tune between yeah. that and Phoenix. I mean, no yeah. question. Now, area. yeah, the advantage there is for real flight, it can be made to tune um, to, to get that realistic aspect of it, in my opinion, um, because you can loosen the head up to the point where it's not simish anymore. You can actually, like, you know, if you download one of those models, they don't fly perfect, and th- and that's what I first kind of saw in real flight was, wait a minute, you know, on Phoenix, you want to do an elevator TikTok, you could literally go tail in and do nothing but backwards and forwards elevator and collective, and that thing would never move. Well, that's not real life, and I'm sure everyone <laughs> who has tried an elevator TikTok can say, Oh, my God, why can I not do these in one spot? Why are they moving all over the place? Why do I have to tilt the heli a little bit? I don't get it. Uh, Real Flight has that aspect to it, and I was kind of able to unlock a little bit of that. Um, And and it just makes it, it seems like I'm relating real flying to the sim. They've narrowed up a lot because if I can't, 
I mean, if I can do it in real flight, it's actually transferring into life a, a lot closer like this. And I tried to tune them like uh, what Jesse had mentioned. I know that I fly a slow tail. Um, I, I'm a very big full rudder kind of guy. I'm off or full. So I don't. Um, Must come with I marriage. Don't, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someday. Uh yeah, I don't I don't fly in between a whole ton. So, you know, I I don't run a super super fast pure rate and I I spent the majority of the time on the head tuning trying to get that realistic feeling feeling. So, if you guys do download it and get a chance, you know, um like Jesse had said, up the head speed, go into the edit to the model edit, and then under the electronics and the head speed governor, governor ESC, yep, yep governor, yep. that's in there, and change the head speed just like real life. I mean, basically tune it like real life. Change the head speed if you need it. Um, don't tune on feel. Don't tune on numbers. Do yeah. not tune on numbers. The numbers so, don't really even make much sense in real Dude, play. they don't, because I have some models at 13 degrees of collective, and I have other models at 11. Like honestly, and they yeah. feel exactly the same. Well, and, and so, I think I think one of the main things is, and what I found is, don't if you download one of these models and you initially, your you know your initial reaction is it's slow or unresponsive, whether it's the tail or the cyclic, don't go in and just start. You know, there's certain parameters in there that you've tuned to make it feel that realistic, and if you just start going in and changing stuff, it could have a negative effect rather quickly. So just yeah, I've tune found the basic. just. Yeah, exactly. Basics. If you just go in and your you know your PR rate, your flip and roll rate, and your head speed, you're gonna maintain That's... that realistic feel, but you're gonna maybe make it a little quicker and snappier. Yep. And and that was the that was the whole theory be- behind it. Is just I mean basically look tune it like you would tune like a beast X. You know, go in there, set your PR rate, change your overall flip and roll rate if you need to, and change your head speed and yeah. and just. Try it from there. Don't mess with anything else because it's it is so not intuitive. It, it's just no. ridiculous. Don't mess with the collective. Mess with anything else like that. And I'm very very happy. I you know it takes man. I'm putting in I don't know about twenty minutes a half hour. I would say on each model just to get them to that point. They're all not perfect. Some are far easier. Like that agile was one of the easiest. Uh, to tune it actually came really close i went back in and redid the granny mod goblin got it well, what i feel is a lot better um yeah sweet it, it's been it's been fun uh, I, a lot of people don't understand um i don't make these models i'm literally taking them there's a, a in the knife edge so knife edge is the company that makes real flight if um there's a forum called the swap pages. Uh, so if you just Google knife edge swap pages, that will bring you up to a page where you can see all of the user created models or and or variants. Um, I'm finding them there. I am importing them in. I am tuning and then I am exporting them. Um, I always try to export them as a whole model if possible, if it will allow me. That means that the guys... So even though I'm tuning it in Real Flight 7, the guys on Real Flight 6.5 can download it and everything's there. Some of these, though, you can't get as a whole model. Like the Raptor, the E700, uh, what was that other one? Oh, like the the G4, the Raptor G4. 
I can only export a variant, which would basically be like my tune on an existing model. So if you don't have that in 6.5, um, if you don't have the base model in 6.5, then you, you can't fly it. And uh, if I can figure out a way around that, I most certainly will because I finally feel like I accomplished something with that hideous Raptor E700. I think I got the tail fixed, and I think I got the cyclic to not feel so funky. Probably um, just made it fly like real life, though. No, <laughs> no man. <laughs> no, it was, I don't, I mean, I don't know. It's like. Yeah, I, I agree. Some of these models you grab off there, and you're like, does this person even I, fly helicopters? I got an idea. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to put a stock model in here and give it tail problems. There's this great plan. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. seriously, I should never be able to stall the tail on a sim model. What? <laughs> Yeah, they just but, want to challenge um, you, dude. Yeah. Well, it was a challenge, <laughs> definitely a challenge. I just changed some parameters that I did not think would do anything, and and fix some issues, and was like, yeah, wow, whatever. I mean, <laughs> if it works, it works. But I, this guy, got some flying in. You did not. Nice. Absolutely, man. I flew nice. last weekend, and uh, I flew this week. During the week, nice. lunchtime. Yeah. And it felt great. felt absolutely fantastic. I am super, super happy with my modifications to the Blade 700X to get those 5,300 packs in there. My suspicions were correct. Uh, running those taller, shorter packs, the batteries um, are significantly farther in, inside the airframe. And it kind of scooched up the CG in there. And dude, it flies awesome much better excellent so i'm digging it nothing uh no real again i haven't haven't had anything to tweak or tune or a need to just been trying to you know when i'm not freezing to death to go out there and just you know, i've really been trying to polish just polish some stuff polish some stuff um waiting for the spring my plan is to like bank up a bunch of new maneuvers on the sim. So just keep practicing, keep flying, getting them super solid, but not do them until I can feel my fingers outside. Once we get warm enough where I can feel <laughs> my fingers. You're going to have a lot of maneuvers in, in the bank then. Uh, I, I know, I, but can you imagine the feeling though? I mean, seriously, can you imagine the feeling when it's like you don't just do one thing, but you have three, you, you know, let's say fairly you know, moderate 3D to maybe mid-high 3D maneuvers that you're really working on. You know, like for me, I'm really, really trying to work on my right rudder paraflips or uh, double paraflips and triple paraflips. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I've gone out. I have done them in real life just to know that I can do them. They were really ugly. But those are one that I've just kind of chosen to bank, and I'm just going to bank them. Those... Uh, working on some pirouetting Mobiuses, that sort of a thing. I'm excited to not do them in real life because I want to just be able to go out and and that's why I put all this effort into tuning these real flight models was to make them not simish, to make them not perfect. I want them to fly, you know. I want to know that if I fly it like crap on the sim, that's exactly how it's going to fly in real life and try and get the models to relate as much as possible. So, yeah, sweet dude, sweet man. 
Nice. So Justin saw a yeah. picture on Facebook. You probably saw a couple of pictures on Facebook. <laughs> I saw gobble 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 gobble. No, I, I have a I got, filter on my computer. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Cuts it's all an anti gobble filter. Yeah. I an have a gobble uh, I have a surprise for Justin. It's coming. I don't know when it's going to get here, but I got an eight by ten glossy avert camera that he signed. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh get out of here, dude! <laughs> deep, Are you deep kidding down, me? Deep down, you... he's saying, "Please overnight it. Please overnight it. <laughs> Please overnight it." <laughs> oh, Justin. So I, you said something. Uh, you okay? Four days from from like what kit to maiden. Or ready to maiden, essentially. Yes, that's not that's correct. That's not quite true. Okay, go ahead. I mean, you've had that kit for a while, right? Okay, yeah, I have. <laughs> so I got it. No, no, actually, uh, you know what? Hold on, hold on a second. Let's do this the right way. <laughs> I ordered this for Black Friday, which was three okay? weeks ago. Which three was weeks three ago. weeks ago. When did more it show up, days. Dan? It showed up Monday, December 9th. Okay, and today's the okay. what? Today's the twentieth. Today is the twentieth. That's so eleven days. That's eleven days. I started building that last Saturday. When six was the, days ago. Doesn't care. Mm. So that's okay. that's okay. That's not four days. No, that's eleven days. Except for the fact that <laughs> when I started on Saturday, it was ready to maiden on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, but you could have started eleven days ago. We're not. We're not letting you go on that one. You know and what? You That's okay. I, I am I am perfectly <laughs> fine. I will take it because I know that deep down you are aggravated I am. that it only took me four days to get that kit. I'm a little aggravated, and it would have been maiden today if it wasn't for the same freaking snow that eventually turned into rain that Jesse was talking about. It it was ready on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I could have maidened it then. Problem is, I don't get out of work until like six, and it gets dark here at like three fifty. <laughs> and I wasn't going to do it in the dark. Wake up this morning; it's snowing, Sissy. which I don't have a problem. No, I'm here. I, I actually here, like the what snow. You, what do you think? And <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to keep going right through it. <laughs> okay. Uh. Snow came. Followed by rain, that was the end of it for the day. All so right. I'm hoping I'm going to be able to to maiden it this weekend. We'll see. It's supposed to rain all this weekend. But yeah, dude, I I I don't know. I was inspired. Yeah, I was inspired by the hatred that you guys throw around <laughs> on a regular <laughs> basis about me not being able to get her done. You wanted to prove finally us wrong. getting through. You every you know what dan every fastener i put loctite on i thought of you <laughs> that well, the is and and the one that, wait a minute this wait is, a minute the ones I'm, that you didn't put loctite on did you think of me uh, oh. yes i did think of nick i did think of nick on that one you're right absolutely <laughs> this brings me back to othello yeah <laughs> So did you lock so, tight that tail section up? I did the, lock tight the you? tail. You sure? I lock tighted everything. Oh yeah, dude, I Key only section. do that on other people's oh, on other people's. <laughs> I don't I, I don't risk that shit on my own. So tell me about that Goblin 770. Does it feel huge? I mean, does it is it big? I mean, it, obviously it's bigger, but does it feel it much is. bigger? It is. It's, you know, there there are a number of people that have been asking me. I posted a couple of pictures on my Facebook wall with the comparison to the Goblin 700. Nick was curious as well. It is bigger. It's about I'd say 2 or 3 inches longer 
uh, if you line up the the nose of the canopies, it's about two or three inches longer on the tail. It's about two or so inches taller um, the, because the frames are taller. Uh, and this is the stock Goblin 700. It's not a comparison to the competition. I know the, com- the competition has some upgrades that might make it larger looking in stature, at least in the pod portion. But yeah, it's with the blades on it, it makes a big difference when when you're just sitting there on the bench with no blades. If you didn't I mean, if you hadn't seen it compared to another heli, you'd look at it and think, yeah, it it's close enough to a 700. That's probably what it is. But once you put the blades on it and you compare it to other helis, you realize it is it is larger. Yeah, but I'm, it's I'm, it's not a it's not a Mikado extreme type large. It's not over designed. I think SAB was going for what is the minimalist we can do and still get away with swinging, you know, 750 plus blade size. And two like inches, the, two inches ahead. longer and taller still sounds like an upgrade to me. Oh, yeah. Hmm. So it seems like it's almost like the, the, e, the Raptor E700 equivalent of the 800 class. Just minimal and light. Yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah. I, I think that that's probably the case, at least based on everything that I've heard from people and what I've seen out there, it is. It's not in any way over-designed. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. It's pretty minimalist in terms of the amount of mass that they put into parts. It doesn't have that massive freaking head that the Mikado Extreme has, where it looks like the grips themselves weigh like two pounds a piece. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I'm happy with it. It went together really quickly. Uh, Probably, honestly, I can say the probably the quickest kit build I've ever I've ever done. And I think it has a lot to do with the design and how they lay things out. You still have to build everything, but it just goes together fast. So I decided to put the Scorpion 160 HV uh, ESC in there. And it's going to run 14S. I told you guys last week I had picked up that 14S motor, the 4530-450. But it can also run on 12S. And I haven't decided on my 14S batteries yet. So it's going to get maidened on 12S. Uh, but nice. other than that, I'm I'm pretty, pretty freaking excited. It looks really good. Love the color scheme. I proved you wrong, Dan. That's all that always that hasn't flown points. Yeah, that's okay. It will. It will soon. (laughs) It will soon. Yeah, it will soon. Famous last words. Yeah, Yeah. I got a lot of crap from listeners who was like, who were like, well, dude, when you announced that you were getting that on the last couple of shows, you were like, yeah, I'm going to take my time. It'll take a little while to do. I, I originally planned on that, but I'll tell you what, man, when I got that thing in, it was like, ah, screw it. Let's get this done. So I I have to give you, I will be the one person here to not pitch you crap about it and say that I am actually quite impressed at how, regardless of, you know, four days, 11 days, it's, I'm impressed with the rate at which you got it oh, together. Yeah. Even 11 yeah, and, days. Is- and I mean, it. It <laughs> Jesse, 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 especially if I'm trying to dig. Big this one wasn't built either. I mean, no, you had to actually build built. this one by yourself. Yeah, did, yeah. Well, like, and, open and the here's the and deal. <laughs> yes, yeah. I did. Yeah, it, it it actually came in parts, dude. Oh man, you what's know? your garage uh, look like assembled. now? 
That is impressive, actually. Here's What's your deal, garage though? look like now? <laughs> oh, the garage isn't too bad. I I'd call it average. Well. I call it average dirtiness or disorganizedness. But I like all the listener comments about. Oh, I see all you have caps on all of your CA bottles. Oh the my, pictures. that's <laughs> hilarious! <laughs> hey, look, and the glue even nice. has caps on it. I'm like, very astute observation. Yeah, uh, it, it it honestly, it, it's probably only about four to six hours of total build time for someone that has experience building helis. That's pretty freaking quick. So, and I had to split it up, of course, because trying to find that much time uninterrupted with a 14-month-old is absolutely freaking impossible, as Nick knows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, is that so, pretty much all you did this week, was build a heli? I built a heli. I simmed. Oh. I I made use of all of Nick's hard work to actually just sit down and enjoy myself. <laughs> which is good. Thank you, Nick. Uh, hmm. I'm still flying the Agile 7.2. I played with a couple of the others. Um, for some reason, the 7.2 feels closest to what I remember my real helis flying like, and I didn't want to screw around with the other ones. So, yeah, other than the crappy-looking canopy, um, I, I flew that probably two or three nights. And that's all I got, actually. That's that's pretty much been it this week. I'm jealous. I want a heli to build. How about that? Do you want to yeah, build? Do you want to build mine? For you? Well, of course. Nick, why don't you <laughs> rebuild a heli? See, that's why mm. people gave me crap and said, "How come you? How come you put it together so quickly when you said you were going to go slow?" Well, it was because when I started pulling the freaking seven HV apart. I realized that it needed a little bit more TLC than I originally intended. So that one's grounded now. And I turned my my focus to the 770. Because I actually maintain my shit throughout the year. <laughs> so oh, I don't need... Oh, <laughs> I, do, I do too, Nick. Ouch. You do? Yeah. I mean, you saw last year how well <laughs> I maintained my shit throughout the year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you yeah, could attest to that. <laughs> Usually, uh -huh. dance uh -huh. goes in the order of like, you know, I'm kind of noticing a little bit of a wobble. Oh, damn, duck! <laughs> there's duck. a new one. There's a new one. Uh, hey, there's there's yeah. like two missing bolts from the head of your 700, man. Oh, I have no never shit. seen those parts fall out of a helicopter before. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it is what it is. Anything else, Justin? I think that's it. That it? I think that's it. Huh. Although, well, I will say that I'm really interested in doing the whole Steve's Hobby Shop 800 stretch kit for this thing, because I'd like to put larger blades on it, even without having flown on, uh, flown it yet. I just, I would like to see what it's like on the 810s or 813s. So we'll see what we can come up with on that before spring. Excellent. One thing I've learned since I've gotten into this hobby, it's that if you're going to buy it, buy it once and buy quality. With my recent purchase of the iCharger 4010 Duo, I feel like not only did I get quality, but I'm going to get exceptional charging performance. So if it's time to upgrade your charging system, 
buy it once, buy it right. www.progressiverc.com. Well, I uh, didn't get any flying in this week. I, 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 I intended on trying to fly last Saturday. Uh, weather did not cooperate. It is miserable here. Uh, we got a shit ton of snow. Uh, today again, we got um, even more snow. Supposed to snow all weekend. The cold has kind of gone away, which is a good thing. But nonetheless, the snow is just too much. It's too. It's, How much you got on the ground? Um, Six inches, two feet, five feet. It's what about here? He well, here I don't have as much as I do at work. I think there's four here, six or seven where I work. Uh, we'll see what happens in the morning. I went outside right before we started recording to get a bundle of wood uh, for the fireplace, and there were about, I don't know, two or three more fresh inches of snow. It's just Jeez. it's just not. It doesn't, doesn't stop, fun. dude. It's not. It's not fun. Um, and here's here's the here's the bullshit part of all this. Of course, the last weekend was was not good. It was nasty, windy, snowy. Monday rolls around. It's fifty degrees and sunny. Tuesday, forty degrees, forty five degrees and sunny. Wednesday, forty degrees and sunny. Thursday, thirty two degrees, mostly sunny. And Friday. you didn't call out sick one of those days, <laughs> dude. I came close. Uh. And Friday, shitty. Uh, today, by noon, it was just whiteout conditions. And pretty much stayed there. You had your day. chance, man. I have <laughs> no sympathy. I did. God's country. I know. It is God's country. Hmm. I'm glad you recognize that, Nick. We you could have been flying that. in 50 degree weather. I know. And I threatened because I was on call last weekend, too. And I, it was a horrible weekend on call. And um, I threatened to not come to work on Monday. I was like, I'm not coming. This is horrible. I'm not coming. Nice. I, I need a day. So, but can't just do that. So the simming. I have been simming every night for at least a half an hour. What? Since I got my Nice. nice. And how are we doing? I, you know, I still kind of, occasionally I'll freeze up with orientation based on you know the knob <laughs> and it's coming along I, i'm i'm pretty happy with it it's uh, it feels good to be able to sim for an extended amount of time without wanting to you know cut my my arm off so that's a plus hmm. uh you know we talked a little bit last week about doing some uh modifications to the tray and or the radio, and, you know, all of us were talking one night late. One, I think it was Tuesday, right? We were talking. Yep. And uh, we kind of got to searching around, and we found some uh, gimbal sticks of varying sizes. Mm -hmm. And we found from, I think it was a spree, uh, we found some 40-millimeter Futaba threaded uh, gimbal sticks. They're tall. They're big. I think it looks funny because they're silver and blue, but they're huge. They're 40 millimeters tall. And I put, I put one of those on the left stick 
to kind of make it a taller, a little more, so my wrist doesn't have to, I don't have to try to bend my wrist as much, made a huge difference. The simple matter of the nice. fact is, I really feel it's going to be limiting in the long run. You just can't, you just cannot control the helicopter as fast. You know, I've extended the sticks, especially on the, on the, uh, on the right side, tremendously. I mean, that's like three inches taller than a standard stick. Right. So I got to move that stick a long ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's okay. I'm okay with that. I think it's like anything else. You just kind of adapt and you figure it out. Uh, the basic flying is pretty much there. I'm fully confident that I can put the 700 in the air and just do some basic flying. Uh, I can't, I'm still struggling with inverted circuits consistently. Like I'll lock them in and things will be going well, but for no particular reason, it'll just go all pear shaped on me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just dealing with that kind of stuff. Well, are you crashing it or is it just, it gets out of shape and you got to recover? When I get out of shape, I typically crash. <laughs> so, okay. Throw <laughs> uh, a hold. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm having to literally redistribute where the throttle hold is and how I use it. I mean, I have it in a place now where I, I don't even know if I can explain this. Well, um, you guys will know. Um, I can't remember the uh, what the label on the on the switch is, but uh, on the right hand side, the tallest one that's in the middle, towards the middle of the radio. Mm-hmm. Yep. Throttle hold off is with that switch in the complete down position. And basically, I just have it now to where I'm holding the the knob, and I can just flick a finger up, and it hits throttle hold. Okay. Oh, there you go. Nice. Because I can't, with that knob, I can't reach around to where my traditional throttle hold position is without literally taking the time to let go and go around to but the it's, back. It's kind of the same concept, because before you would have, like, your finger behind the switch, so it's just yeah. pulled back towards you. Exactly. I, I get that. I get that. I mean, completely opposite, and I would definitely crash the shit out of your helicopter. Look, <laughs> but I, it makes sense. I meant to hit throttle. And idle up now is is um, no longer on the left side. It's on the right side, uh, right next oh, to throttle, yeah. which is definitely crash. It's, oh. it's, See, and that's that's why I'm thinking like are, with the throttle hold switch, Dan. Now that you've you've establish that as the new throttle hold switch is it comfortable for you or are you just getting by no it's like very, would it's you very would it be somewhere else if you could choose no no in fact right now it's in the optimal uh, it's the optimal location for it it's perfect because it's literally okay. all i got to do is like it's like when you flick your finger you know like you hold your, your finger yep. with your thumb just flick and it's it throttle holds on now what if you have to bail out I mean, is it going to be as easy to pop back out? Yeah, it's because it doesn't. You know, yeah, it's not going to be bad because that is the tall switch, so it's it's easy to find without without you know you don't have okay. to dig around for it. Because I, you know, I I I'm trying to put myself in in your shoes, and I would imagine that even if the switch is off location wise by a little bit, I'd probably be tearing the damn radio apart and and relocating it. Well, the simple matter of the fact is, I have to just let convention go uh i have to just forget about conventional locations right and just let it happen 
you know, so what am I doing on sim? Well, I'm doing a shit ton of autos. I'm bailing out of autos. I'm, I'm just hitting throttle hold in, in the event of a crash. Um, yeah, I'm just, just doing that stuff that I'm going to have to do. Um, and it's, it's working. Getting the muscle memory reprogrammed. Yeah. I mean, it's really not, a, it's really not, to be honest, I'm pretty happy within two weeks. I was simming with, uh, um, some friends and they were like, wow, uh, dude, this, you're doing great. <laughs> you know, it, like you guys were saying, or ju- ju- uh, Justin in particular, because you were simming with me that night. Yeah. You know, I probably was being a little harder on myself <laughs> than I should have been, but I bet you that's it. You're just you're probably considering what you've had to do. You're probably progressing at a tremendous rate. It's just not up to your standards. Yeah, it doesn't at the it, moment. Yeah, because I still feel like there's stuff. There, there's some definite advantages. Let me let me give you an example. Um, Aileron on TikToks, zero rudder interaction. Zero. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Um, but yeah, that's pretty TikToks, cool. Lots of rudder interaction. Elevator, you mean? Uh, ele- no, aileron TikToks. Oh, okay. So no interaction on elevator, right. but lots of interaction on. Okay, gotcha. Um, so you know, just just relearning that stuff. I I cannot for the life of me get the half piro flip down like I had it before. I just, I cannot get it. So I've kind of quit trying to worry about that and focus on more of the basics. And it's just a reality. And I'm okay with that. I'm in no rush. It'll all come to me. It'll, it'll get there. I'll be ready yeah. by spring. That's for sure. So the rush is still in a box. I obviously, I'm not going to be able to build that uh, for a while. And I'm okay with that. There is a bit of a change. I told you guys I was going to get some of those outrage torque servos. Yes. Well, mm-hmm. that's um, that's not going to happen because apparently Dave War, he, he's uh, from Elite Performance RC. He's the guy that, and I want to make a quick mention, you know, because we, you know, we're big fans of you know Ken, Lori Helly, small small shop, oh on yeah, the West Coast, oh, yeah. fantastic yep, service. Exactly. And while I'm talking about this, I just want to make a quick mention. Dave's kind of helping me out with some of this stuff. You know, he's he's uh, for, for well. All intents and purposes, he's kind of sponsoring me. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to give him a quick shout out because, I, frankly, he kind of deserves it. That's ElitePerformanceFL.com. So if you guys want to check him out, he's one of these guys, a lot like Ken, for you East Coast guys, that kind of he's he goes to the all the fun flies just like Ken. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's just one of the good guys. So definitely, if you're on the West Coast or the East Coast, and you're looking for a small shop like that. Give him a look. But anyway, he calls me and he goes, dude, those, those servos aren't going to be in stock till like, you know, end of January. Till the next outrage <laughs> kit comes out. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so he, he suggested, uh, those RJX servos or he asked me if I would consider them. And I'm like, well, you know, I guess I'm flying them essentially on the, on the goblin. Right, the BK servos, essentially an RJX rebrand. Mm-hmm. And I asked him if he'd had any of his customers, you know, have any uh, anything negative to say about. It. He says no. You know, handful of guys down here are flying them. They don't have any problems with them. I text you guys to see if you heard anything negative about them, and uh, you hadn't. 
And nope. so we're going to nope. switch those out. We're going to go with some RTX servos. Sweet, nice. dude. All that stuff will be nice. here next week. I actually think that I might get some help. Uh, Ed, I'm actually going to be going to Ed's house tomorrow. He crashed both of his helis last week. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Dang. He, um, he's actually considering switching I, over to I Fikado. feel some horse trading is in the, exactly. in the works. So basically what's going to happen here is I'm going to just go and kind of oversee, help him. And he's going to do all the turning, you know, all the wrenching. And uh, we might uh, we might get a rush built that way fairly soon. Ah, there you go. Mm, nice. He's uh, switching to the icons, thinking about switching to Futaba. He's kind of convinced that he had a brownout on one of his crashes. He, he freely admits that the 600 was him being silly. Uh, or it might be the other way around, one of them. It might be the 500, but uh, uh, he, he's so he's kind of considering switching over to Futaba. Um, we'll see. <laughs> I don't know. I told him he doesn't need to do that. There's another, you know, a lot of guys are flying the DX8s. No, not a problem. He's got two of them. Uh, but he, uh, he, you know, he kind of, he's kind of like us. He wants to, wants to try the grass on the other side of the fence. Just wants something and just, different. That's yeah, right. try something yep. new. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. So we're going to be working on his helicopters tomorrow. Not going to get any flying in. Not with this weather. No, not going to happen. Yep. And um, that's about that's about all I've been up to, simming like mad and and trying to get through winter. Ugh. Nice. Yeah. yeah, I'm ready for it to be done. Oh, yeah. You Long know, way to go. And you know, I, I know. Tomorrow is like the first official day of winter. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. This is not cool. But shortest day of the year. But we have nothing but good things after that because the days start to get longer after that. Yes. Oh my gosh. So that's always a good thing. I'm tired of looking at the dark. Yeah, I hate. So one thing I realized from you know going to work is going to work in the dark and coming home in the dark sucks. Yeah. Oh, dude, yes, it's it so yeah, it's so draining. It's horrible. Yeah. It's, to see it's that terrible all the time. And here's what pisses me off more than anything. And I it, living in Montana. I just don't get this. That pisses you off? No, 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 dude. Let me, let me oh, finish. okay. Sorry. I thought you meant... <laughs> you mean <yeah>. Canada. <laughs> Living in Canada. So if you live in Montana, or, or even Pullman, or it, you know anywhere up here, yep. in the wintertime, why, why does your driving turn to shit when it snows? Hmm. Why does everybody turn into incompetent idiots on the highway well i can tell Probably you because Pullman. they're all transplants from freaking the south where they don't know how to drive in <laughs> or in or another weather. in pullman where you have a big university another That's country <laughs> yeah. it's oh scary. yeah dude it's <laughs> around scary here it's driving. ridiculous I, I i saw i i drove my son to daycare this morning and i saw people sliding down the hill <laughs> and spinning out Running into ditches, hitting mailboxes and shit. I mean, come on, seriously? Yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. And that's with two inches of snow on the ground. Two inches of snow hits Montana, and you guys don't even flinch. Yeah. Over here, it's a freaking disaster area. Like, yeah, FEMA's shut, out. Shut everything down. What pisses yeah. It's just, I leave the office. It should take me ten minutes to get out of town. But I'm I'm yeah. stuck in that traffic for a half an hour before I even get out of town. I hate that. Yeah, that's so frustrating. That. 
Well, that's enough rambling. Maybe we should uh, maybe we should see about news, huh? Got any news this week, Nick? Yeah, I suppose. I think we can probably dig some up. All right, we can make some up at least. Did you do your homework this week? <laughs> nope, no making it all up. That's what Ooh, we do. The best. I have to admit that now that I've had my goblin for a couple months, it's really kind of starting to grow on me, with the exception of one thing, loading the batteries. The guys at KDE, they addressed this issue. They made a removable battery tray. If you've got a goblin, this is your number one must-have upgrade. That sounds good, Nick. And if you're interested in any of the other upgrades that KDE has, visit their webpage at www.kdedirect.com. All righty, guys. This week's news is brought to you by HeliDaily.com, your daily RC helicopter news magazine. What's on the news list this week, Nick? Um, Okay, so for those of you, uh, you know, we've been talking about Real Flight 7. It seems to be, I don't know, maybe you guys can correct me. Do you see more people upgrading to it? I do, anyway. Reluctantly. Um, But I also see people keeping their 6.5 so they can sim with their buddies. Yeah. Well, well, the cool part is about Real Flight 7 is you can still boot into 6.5, right? Yes, you can. And does that give you the option to access 6.5 online sessions? I, you know that's what? a good I question. I have not tried it. Because that's then a it's very like good you have, question, you know, if, if some of your buddies have seven, Real Flight 7, you can still sim with them. And if some of the people are still on 6.5, you can still sim with them. So kind of a it win-win all around. It is two completely separate. Like, it's installed in two yeah. completely separate locations. It is. Yeah. I, like would, I, can, I would guess it I, would still allow you to access the 6.5 servers. You know what, though? We have to be very clear. Yeah, do your homework on this. I would guess. Yeah, that was a not guess. not sure. It doesn't matter. You have that, to say it more. If I had to take a completely off-the-wall guess, like I have no, no idea what I'm talking data. about. So are you guessing no, what, Jesse? So, are you speculating? I don't even know what I'm talking I don't even know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, Jesse but. said. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, um, I hope that's the case because that would be really cool. But you don't, but you do. don't know. But, but I do not know. Okay. No, dude, he's making this shit up. <laughs> That's what we do here. If you were, if you did make the decision to upgrade, um, it is fifty bucks. So if you've already got Real Flight and you uh, you don't have to purchase the full edition, it's if you have the compatible controller, which I do believe, uh, I think it's four and up. Um, that, that's a could, guess too. Yes, thank you. I think it's 4.5, to be honest with you. I, I was okay. thinking it was more like 4.75. Come on. Uh, well, you're totally making you're that up. being a pain <laughs> in the... Yeah. It's, it's 50 bucks to upgrade. Uh, Are you sure it I, wasn't 45 bucks, dude? Oh, shut your face, hole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. I, Just I go freaking buy it. I don't know. I see 49.98 is what I'm seeing here. That's definitely not 50. Wow. Yeah, that's... Wow. I hate all you Nick guys. needs to invest more time in the news. Yeah. Yeah. Do some I homework, do. man. Come on. I know. Quit making all those sim models and be more accurate with the news. 
right, so we've got some dates announced uh, for a couple events, actually. Zone format, the big, um, is it UK? Yeah, absolutely. At the Fleet Air Museum in the UK. Main competition will run during the UK bank holiday on May 25th and 26th with the fun fly on the 24th at the Zone Village. I'd love to get over there. I was going to say, this would be an awesome event to go to. I do. I think it'd be really neat to be able to get... I mean, it'll probably never happen. I'll be honest. (laughs) But I I would like to. It would be really cool just to go over there. Go out and find yourself a sugar daddy. You know what? You know what they say. (laughs) Never judge someone because everyone has a price. (laughs) (laughs) If there's anyone out there that wants to be Nick's sugar daddy. If you want to find out what Nick's price is. (laughs) Send an email Don't tell us what Nick's price is. I don't want to know. Yeah, that needs to be a private negotiation. I'm not going to lie. I'd be a little curious to know. Really? Why not? (laughs) Okay. I'll go down that road. Can we hang up first? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I'm going to need therapy now. Uh, okay, so as um, in conjunction with the zone, uh, we now have... Point to this doll where he touched you. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, this is about the most... Anti RC helicopter, RC helicopter podcast <laughs> we could make. Uh, Are you done now? I'm done, I think. I think. <laughs> Are you sure? I'm not sure, but go ahead. <laughs> I'm trying to do some accurate news over here. We'll be the judge right. of that. Oh, we're good then. Yeah. We'll be the judge of that. <laughs> And if not, I know someone who will. That's right. Uh, okay, so Heli Masters 2014 uh, in Venlo. We are looking at, which is in the Netherlands, by the way. Uh, we are looking at the weekend of the 4th, 5th, and 6th of July. Mark that down as another one I would yes. love to go to. Don't I mean, they can know you... we have a holiday on one of those days? I dude, I would sacrifice our <laughs> holiday to be able to go see the best of the best. Yeah. Oh, can oh, you yeah. imagine That'd that? Be amazing. If I had to choose one event internationally, this would be the one. You know, oh, yeah. I'm torn because I had a feeling someone was going to bring that up, and and he, here's my, and, and maybe this just might be a lack of knowing. I feel like I would if I went to Venlo, it would be, oh my gosh. Like, you would probably really get an appreciation for just how good the best of the best are. So that's what I would take out of that experience. I have a weird hunch, though, that going to zone would be more fun. Yeah, uh, based on what we've heard, I think I agree with you. I'm just really starting to, you know, having Rachel on the show, uh, just so cool and getting to know more um you know, of our UK listeners, it's they're just cool people. And I, I, I like that. They've got great sense of humor. And so I feel like I'd probably have more fun at Zone and it would be more joking around and more horsing around. But, you know, uh, obviously going to, 
you know, going to Venlo is just you're going to see the best. Although I I feel like it would be all kind of stodgy and like, oh yes, wine sir, you're up next for your four minutes and thirty second flight. Wow, you just pissed off a lot of UK listeners. Wow, you went. That wasn't even like a a decent accent. I was. I don't even know who. What kind of accent was that? I don't know. I'm not quite I'm sure. Not sure. I bet you you're going to get a couple of emails that tells you though. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, they're, they're thinking right now. They're sitting there going, "Is that what they really think we sound like?" Yeah, who? you might want to move this one on. Let's go to the next. I don't know who I just made fun no, of. No, I'm gonna. I, I want. <laughs> Someone him, please I want tell him to me keep bleeding, Jesse. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Accuracy, can you please explain to me? <laughs> Why on the Heli Masters 2014 banner, there's a picture of three different countries? Yeah, that's kind of confusing. Because Venlo, it says 4th through 6th of July, but then it's got some Germany action in there, and it's got some English action, and they're different dates. Mm -hmm. So maybe if I want to hang around for the 4th of July, I can still go and get some awesomeness in another country. I didn't know. How do they do that, though? Because it doesn't really explain in this thing very well. You're not asking the questions here, dude. I am. You're Mr. Yeah, Accuracy. You know what? You You're can do the this. News. Yeah. <laughs> You're supposed to just know this stuff, Nick. Yeah, this is... <sighs> so disappointed. Yeah. I'm done. <laughs> Nick's it's, done. It's over. There's one other There's one other event over there that you kind of... You guys talked about, you know, going to, you know, Venlo to see the best of the best or you know whatever what about the air competition that one just from the video that dan taylor shot that looks like a really fun laid-back event that's kind of geared more towards us well kind Mm -hmm. you mean in the sense that it is more like a a classical american style fun fly you mean yeah but as opposed to like the competition competitions that are geared to every level of pilot it's a pilot's competition. There you yeah, go. Pro's competition. that's a good point. Yep. That is a good point. And we could I'm be still way trying to figure out who I offended. Homework. Who did you oh, offend? Some, someone will let you know. Trust some, us. I don't know. <laughs> Apparently, someone. You didn't get my hate mail? Huh? <laughs> I sent you no. a hate mail this week. You did? Yeah. Over your horrible inaccuracies. <laughs> <laughs> What else you got for news, Nick? Let's move this back on. Oh yeah, here Moving I would be on. happy to just keep doing this. Keep keep getting bludgeoned. <laughs> God, I swear to God. Oh man, so you can. Uh, in addition to a lot of the other models that have been coming out lately, uh, there is a miniature aircraft seven hundred nitro whiplash nitro um, that is posted up on. Their website, this was a model that someone did in the Knife Edge forums. One I have not tuned yet, although if someone wants me to. Please do. I have, please do. Please do? Please do. Want, okay. Yeah. Well, I will get that one tuned, but I mean, I, I also want to give our listeners an opportunity. Uh, the link is in the news for the original file as well. Okay. Um, and all of the original files are over there on the Knife Edge forums. If you want to go, you know, hey, maybe people are like, well, I don't know, this feels okay, but I'm curious what the original one feels like. So that's you know, there. Speak, speaking of that, I, this is going to be a little bit of a tangent, but I still think it's relevant. It Does does Real Flight have a, a model editor like Phoenix did? 
So can we go and make our own files? I or is that really it. sort of a it's it's a little bit more advanced than you but know what I, I don't, mean? I don't know. And and actually, uh, Rachel brought that up because uh, I tuned the uh, E7, mm-hmm. which by the way I I kind of goofed up. Well, I, I goofed up on because I forgot to set it as the SE canopy when I saved it because mm-hmm. I want I actually wanted to make an E7 SE and I didn't realize the canopy was built into that model. It had it already. Because uh, okay. I'm still kind of learning how to use, you know, the the editing portion of RealFly. So there is an SE version within the E7 that we posted. But she said, oh, well, can you make the top of the canopy pink like I did on mine? And I just, I have not even tried it yet at all. And to be honest, it's, I don't, I don't particularly want to. Um, <laughs> just not something <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, really, it's it's like I only have so many hours in the day, and there's always someone that's willing to. I figure if we can all pool our resources, I'll be happy to tune them and change them. I'm starting to build up a good, uh, like, almost kind of like a bank of blade files, you know? So, like, I have the new Align fly barless blades, so I can put those on any model. Uh, so, you know, like, there's a, um, one of our listeners was asking for... He wanted the new T-Rex 600 Nitro DFC. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I I have a fly barless 600 Nitro model. I have the new Align blade file, but I don't have the new canopy. And really, that's all you, that you would need, you know, to make it feel new. So if you can get someone to draw up the canopy, then let me know. And I'll put it all together and then tune it and go from there. I think it's cool when everybody contributes. Sure. You know, yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of speaking of canopies, this one really caught my eye. You know, Fusuno and Canamod are just cranking these things out for every helicopter left and right, up, down. Um, but these, they've, Fusuno's got a couple ones out now that really I saw it. I went, ooh, wow. I haven't seen a new canopy for the 7HV for a while. So Justin and Jesse, yeah. I'm digging this one. The pink that they one? got here. The, no, the, yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, the fus- dude, the crowny, crowny. Yes, that is, a nice that is sexy. I re, you know what? It, it actually kind of reminds me of the the Gowie Formula One canopy color scheme, mm-hmm. which yeah. not the red one, but the blue one, the blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One. And yeah, I really like this. That's like, sharp, really, really dude. like this. Yeah, that's nice. You know, and that's nice because there aren't, you know, of all the helis I've flown, Compass probably has the poorest selection of aftermarket oh, Except for canopies. that stock one. That is a nice canopy. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 1989 called. They want their canopy uh. bag. Oh, oh Nick! Geez. Now Nick's gonna hate it, dude. I remember you giving that canopy so many compliments. It does. It looked great for the first seven years. I mean, it did. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Let the record yeah, show that I have never liked that canopy. I, dude, I loved it. But when you know, you cannot put out a seven HV ultimate with the same canopy. Marketing <laughs> At any rate, uh, I really like this crown yeah. one. And and that also, it, there is the pink one for you, Jesse. It's called Peaches. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really like uh, the peaches. <laughs> yeah. 
for for your other personality to fly. Yeah. And there's, you know, it's like a freaking down, watermelon on crack. It, it is. It probably have great visibility, though. Oh, dude! In you all honesty, lose it. I mean, <laughs> I oh, bet yeah. you're right. I've, Every, everyone at the field would know that there's something a little off about you. That's the <laughs> yeah, kind of I visibility. Mean, that, that's it would okay, have. though. You would never lose orientation. <laughs> no, I'm kind of digging the uh, the monster one for the 700x. Scroll all the way down at the yeah, bottom. It's a yeah. little you know, yellowish. Dude, there's something about the 700X canopy shape. And and now that I say it, the 552 that I just cannot... I don't know. I, it, I just... I don't like it. It's, it you know, it's weird. Huh. It is probably the number one canopy that I have seen in pictures over and over. It, the shape and, and the, the color scheme, even in the pictures, was like, nah, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it looks what, so much better in real life. Yeah, just the actual heli does it? it. I haven't. I yeah. haven't seen it in real okay, life. Okay, yeah, because I, I thought the exact same thing, and then I came home for Thanksgiving break and got a chance to see him fly it and see it on the bench, and it, it really did change my opinion about the shape and the color scheme of the canopy. Exult. That's definitely the good to hear. The visibility of that canopy is awesome. It is by far. I mean, hands the stock down, one? probably. The, yeah, the, yes. the stock oh, one is amazing in the wow. air. Wow. Yeah. It is. Huh. It really is. That contrast, uh, and it's, you know, very similar, um, kind of similar in color to, like, the, the Fusuno Crowny one here. Yeah, when yeah. you contrast yeah. that light green and that electric blue, man, it stands out good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I I don't know. I, I really like, though, that, that people are starting to do canopies for the 700 X. I, I think it's cool. I'm, yeah. I'm, I need another one. I need a new one. So I've been kind of shopping <laughs> around a little bit and, uh, it's nice to, yeah. to have some options. Yeah. I just love seeing new color schemes. It's great. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, we have a new firmware update out for the DX nine radios. Um, 1.02 airware is now available for download. If you've got a DX9, get that thing updated. And then, let's see. Oh, now, this is kind of funny. I, I find this humorous when when companies do this. Halo has actually put out a thing that they are looking for field reps. Uh, yes. So if you have, I will encourage you to contact them. If you have yeah. flown the blades and like them, if you're just one of those this. gold diggers and want to no, these, these sort of ads bring in the quality pilots. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, these have had great success in the past. <laughs> Quantity, not quality. Quantity. <laughs> Jesse's no, pretty I... up there on the sarcasm meter today. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. And like his I delivery said, I... is flawless. I listened I mean, to last week's dude. show. I mean, it's amazing. Sometimes all you need is a week off. But I no, will probably I mean, never if... miss another show. i haven't flown a set of halo blades but i am very i'm looking forward to 2014 and actually getting my uh you know getting my hands on some of the blades i I did not do near as much uh blade testing the last half of last year i kind of just flew whatever and truthfully i've been very very bad about flying whatever um as of late because I just wanted to fly. I didn't really care. Yeah, it, well, there's a it, lot of cool. In your Go defense, ahead. it's kind of like, you know, we switched blades for so You have to keep something constant on your heli. 
So it's yeah. kind of like we went through a blade phase where we were switching out blades all the time. And, you know, now mm-hmm. we kind of keep, I don't know, at least for from my perspective, well, if, yeah, blades if you're constantly always switching, switching out other things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, you're right. I think a lot, also a lot of it is that I haven't been, I haven't been crashing really well because I haven't been flying near as much. <laughs> so it's just been the same sense. I actually have the, the revolution blades on the 700X. And despite not caring for them at all, uh, I have a set of rail blades sitting there and I have a set of uh, V2 Radixes uh, on the 700EX. And they've just kind of, the rails have stayed in the box. I love those blades. Yeah. Um, but it's there. It works. Eh, we'll just leave it. If you were curious about the Logo 480, we've got a, uh, there's some pictures up here. Um, some really nice kind of like unboxing pictures and some assembly pictures of it. High quality pictures go into, you know, some pretty good detail on the smaller features of it. Man, it sure does look really, really nice. Uh, mm. Probably won't be on my personal list, but, you know, I don't think low. Uh, they're just Don't not one to. Yeah, exactly. You never know, and it looks of fantastic quality and, and fit and finish. You know, like pretty much everything that Logo does. I like that they decided to keep the extreme canopy style, as opposed to going to like the original sort of bulbous wraparound Logo that one, Five Six Hundred. Yeah, that one has played has played out. It's I had its day. Yeah, um. A great canopy, but it's done. <laughs> and that, that pretty much wraps up my news. Anybody else have any news? Jesse? Uh, no news here. Two weeks off and no news. I mean, I got in, some, someone said, I, I read a Facebook comment that said, now when Dan asks you if you have news, you have news. So, and that was on my, you know, engagement post, but that's it. Huh. Justin? Yeah, I've got some news. Okay. It's on the uh the Compass Six H V Ultimate Unboxing <laughs> video. Now this is a really great video, actually. Um and uh <laughs> I'm waiting for someone to take over here. This is your no, news, good. Jesse. Hey, yeah, that's a great video, Justin. Thanks for bringing that up. What a I, what a bunch of carnies we are. I mean, seriously. I was trying to drive I mean, a subtle I was, hint here, and he still hasn't it. caught on. I saw the note, but I just I didn't want to own it. You owned it. I, you know Dear what? I, I'll continue to own it if that's what you want me to do. I was just, I mean, you got to save face in front of your sponsor here, right? <laughs> go, man, go for it. Okay. Okay, I'm going to take it here. Okay, so the Compass 6HV Ultimate Edition is finally out, right, Jesse? It, it is, is out. It's shipping. I want to make sure I'm accurate here. Yes. Okay, it's shipping. It's out. And so as a result... Nankin Hobbies, well, not Nankin, what are they? They're, uh, they are now ProStar, have done an unboxing video of this heli, and they go over some of the features, uh, they pull out all the different parts and show you some of the new stuff, and walk through the overall heli, and it's actually a really great video, one, because that's a pretty sweet black compass towel, and I want one. I didn't get one with my 7HV Ultimate, which makes me sad. And two, 
the landing gear on this thing are probably among the most flexible I've ever seen <laughs> in my entire life. Do you see that guy like crank on them? It's at about, let's see, what, what, what point in the video was that? I think it was like about four and a half ish minutes or something like that. Five, five minutes, 40 seconds. He bends those things completely flat. Can you confirm that that's actually how awesome they are, Jesse? I can 100% confirm. So you could actually... And I believe thing, that that's the same landing gear that was on the 6HV original. And if I'm not mistaken, we saw that at our fun fly with Larry. Remember when he gave that <laughs> thing oh, full right. negative pitch? Oh, and that thing went flat right, on the ground? Dude. He didn't break yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, this also means, Nick, you could do your canopy bump signature move and probably still Fly be away. able to land it without having to, like, do the whole precarious auto deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm going to beat the crap out of these. But, you know, in all seriousness, this looks like a pretty freaking sweet heli. I've never actually flown a 6HV, the original, myself. I did hear that it was quite a bit... Uh, low on the disc loading and that this mm -hmm. guy may have beefed up just a little bit so you're not quite as floaty as you were on the original um, but i like the design update i really like the canopy it's sick it is a like i mean it looks like a scaled up warp from afar it is am i missing yeah, something here that's nope. i mean minus the carbon fiber landing gear that's the vibe i'm getting from this heli you got yep. it I mean, and they've basically uh, taken a lot of the designs that have worked on the 7HV and the Warp and 6HV. Yeah, they like upgraded. molded one all together. What's I mean, the deal the with the plastic DFC links, uh, Jesse? Like the whole arm? Well, the yeah, I think the main thing was is, and some people have noticed this with the 7HV is under you know extremely high head loads, you'll get the the phasing will actually flex just a touch with mm -hmm. those Delrin tubes from the V1 head. Yep. Um, so you notice Compass has come out with the traditional style with the uh, the swash driver head, and that pretty much cures it for that. Well, now for this heli, they've decided to just beef up the Delrin links. Um, so now it's all incorporated with one. You don't have that yoke um, metal part up top anymore. It's all just one solid piece of Delrin, um, and it's really it's it's not flexing at all. It's not going anywhere. Does that thing break in a crash? Um, or are we going to bend I've, the metal arms? Um, honestly, uh, not sure. I cannot attest to that. I have not heard of anyone breaking the arms yet. Um, I didn't break them in my crash, which went in straight in on the head button. Oh, okay. Wow. Um, nice. Are so, they going mean, to make I, these available for the 7HV Ultimate? Like in so the that, future? Just that, that's interesting. I actually just saw a picture of a guy... Um, who seems to, you know, he, it looks like he has a set of these exact arms scaled up a little bit for the 7HV. So I'm definitely, uh, I've sent off a couple messages and emails and I'm, I'm digging into that myself. Well, that would be frustrating because I, so. I just bought the conventional head. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I, I dig it. I mean, so far it's been the best, uh, this design on the 6HV, um, you know, in my technical opinion, has been the best implementation of the DFC style head out. Yeah, yeah I mean, it looks uh, like it's got a good combination of all the main, like, winning features that they've had in the last couple of updates. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, yeah, exactly. The, the 7HV head, 
I think one of the main reasons it flew so well is because of that flex, that extra damping that was mm-hmm. built into the into the head, into the system with those Delrin links. But you you know when you really start putting the hurt to it, it kind of you know the phasing changes just a little bit too much, and guys are starting to notice that. And, and they did so, pop a little. They, they seem to break a little easy on a tip over. Yeah, it's like they were they had all the right idea. It just wasn't quite burly enough. Yep, so they're still implementing the, you know, the Delrin material, just beefing it up a little bit, so. You know, the one thing I noticed in the specs here that was interesting to me, the blade length ranges from 580 to 620, what it can support. I mean, the 620 is not all that interesting, but 580, do you know anyone or have you run it on shorter than 600 millimeter blades? Um, I personally have not. So I know that the the 6HV, it's it's very similar to the V1 where it has a smaller frame profile. And I know that uh, Dave Kettlehut is messing around with some 550, that 580 range blade, um, flying it on that. And he, he seems to be, you know, really enjoying it. I know he's posted up a couple of videos on the Compass page. Um so personally, I have not. I know people are doing it, and it seems to be working out really well just because of the size of the heli already. And see, the reason why act? that's intriguing to me is if it actually flies well on 550s or 560s, that that 550 class blade size, I wonder if you could make this or a 6 or an 8S heli and run it as a single pack park flyer. As opposed to, because we're—I mean, right now it's saying two x three to or three thousand to thirty-five hundred packs. Mm-hmm. So this is—it's meant to be a twelve s heli, right? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Well, that's what I'm kind of wondering. The the frame is still very small. I mean, I've seen Jesse's in person. Yep. This canopy owns that heli. Yep. I mean, it owns it. It's covering up a, a very small frame. So. I, I I don't know. It almost just makes me wonder if there kind of wasn't this little forethought that, you know, if we downsize the 6HV canopy, which, by the way, is a, I mean, it's a large canopy. It, it's no joke. They they took the criticism of the, the original 6HV canopy and, and they just upsized it. Big yep. time. It's it's so, right on the edge between being too large for the frame size. It's okay. They went right up to that edge. So with a s- shorter boom and a smaller canopy to cut down on weight, because I mean there is definitely canopy weight yep. involved. Could this thing? This thing? Could they actually release a five HP? Yeah, with with very little, like you said, with very little modification. Hmm. Well, I'm wondering if it's already lightweight enough to just be able to swing 550s. Yeah, but on it would. Dude, if you put it on 550s, uh, well, maybe not with the stock boom, but it would look freaking hilarious. Oh, sure. okay. It, it, it you would get it, that really small disc. You know, it would just look a little little off. It would look odd. Yeah, it would look like you were like flying a tuna. I don't know. I think there's a lot of potential there. What do you think, Dan? Huh? What? What? Yeah, it's a compass. You guys are talking about. Compasses. I think I, I lost him at compass. I kind of glazed over. You guys were talking yeah. about compasses. No, that's all right. You can't win them all. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a compass. That's that's what I think. I don't know. Any other news? Good. 
Or can we move on? Are you guys done? Fucking... <laughs> what? It's interesting. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Well... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, wait. I do have some more news. Oh, my God. Oh, God. This is... Well, I'm sorry. I'm going to take one more opportunity to do a shameless act of self-promotion for Nick and I. And it's going to be quick. The Whiplash oh, yeah. 700EX is on the front cover of this month's edition of the RC Heli Pilot Magazine. It's got a five-page, in, uh, not interview, five-page interview, five-page <laughs> review where it does, the, it's the standard review sort of style. You know, what's in the box, first impressions, build, They give it the, they give it the thumbs up. Of course they did. Yeah, oh, guaranteed. I, yeah, it, it was. You a, ever seen a thumbs down interview or a review on the oh, front that, page? That's true. <laughs> it, it was a pretty good review. I, I think nice. it was a pretty honest review. Uh, I think also uh, what was interesting. First of all, this this was pointed out to us by a listener of ours, so thank you. And what was interesting is they actually used some pretty, well, I guess I'd call them non-standard parts in it. Uh, uh, among others, they're running uh, high-tech, high-voltage servos, I believe. So, um, yeah, it, I, I thought it was a pretty darn good review. And nice. I'm not going to lie, it was also incredibly badass to see uh, a heli that we uh, worked on for design on the front page of a magazine. So, yeah, there's my weekly self-promotion ad. Huh. We would expect no less. <laughs> it's awesome. Well, is that it for news, or somebody gonna jump in and throw something else in there, or what? <laughs> All right. This week's news is brought to you by HeliDaily.com, your daily RC helicopter news magazine. So, Jesse, I heard you had a really bad crash last weekend, man. I did. It really sucks being a poor, starving college student, you know trying to get those parts ordered but sometimes the funds just aren't quite there to pay for them if you know what i mean hey i know what you mean man but i got the solution for you if you head over to helipros.com they've got the bill me later option that means that you can pick up all the parts you need to get your heli back in the air and you have no payments and no interest if paid in full in six months dude bill me later that's awesome i am gonna go check it out and remember guys fly hard helipros has the parts Quads, all that crap, right? Cinema, cinema, jigama, cinema, jigama, <laughs> cinema, jigama photography. It's it's all the rage these days. All the cool kids are doing it, except for me. For Dan, <laughs> I'm not doing ba- it. Baby steps, Dan. Baby steps. <laughs> You'll get there. You'll you get there. Will. Yeah, soon. <laughs> soon. So we have a great interview with Dave. <laughs> Uh, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> sounded like a Wookiee. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was a good one. Who did that? Who did that? I've been practicing a little. Wow. Was that Jesse? Was that? that was good. Was you? Wow. Do it again. Do it again. <laughs> oh, my God. Chewbacca in the his house. <laughs> okay. Back on track here. DJ Vay, Photoshop One. We've all heard of Photoshop One, right? 
Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, definitely. We had the pleasure of uh, having him on, and uh, we did a little interview with him. So we're going to go ahead and play that right now, and we will be back right after that. And uh, Jesse's going to be entertaining us here with some Wookiee sounds. <laughs> and, uh, hey, this is Curtis Youngblood. Hey, this is Matt Botus. Hi, everyone. This is Bobby Watts. Hey, everyone. This is Gary, a.k.a. Custom from Heli Rap. This is Burt Camerary. This is Pinion. And you're listening to the greatness that is RC Heli Nation. So Nick, Justin, Jesse, have you guys ever decided or thought maybe you'd want to put some kind of a camera on a ship, on a heli, or maybe even a, one of those damn dirty quads? Mm-hmm. Every single day? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You're digging that stuff, All huh? the time. Oh, dude, I freaking love it. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's the wave of the future, Dan. <laughs> I refuse. Anyway, you, you all know how I feel about quads. But I got to yes, say, we, yes, I got, we have some great news. Speaking about cameras... Helicopters and quads and all that good stuff. You guys familiar with uh, a company called Photoship One? I believe they're out of Arizona, yes. aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Yep. DJ Vay. Yes, the sir. Uh, proprietor. Is that the word I'm looking for? Owner. <laughs> sure. Tried to get just go with it. Just backfired on me. <laughs> <laughs> DJ Don't go over hi, two man. syllables. What's going on, guys? So DJ Vay, you are in Florida. Or Florida. Oh my God, I got one with their dicks on the mind, right? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, he, he's a warm weather dick too, he just the on the other side of the country. Part, right? Oh man, I tell you what, that did not come out right, did it? Nope. No. Anyway, yeah, you, you're going to regret that one. No, we'll leave it. It's fun. So, DJ, you're from Arizona. Arizona. Well, I was born in Alabama, but uh, I'm in Arizona now. You are with Photoshop. Do you own Photoshop One? I yeah, I own Photoshop One. I started Photoshop One in uh, what about 2008, I guess. Yeah. Tell us what it is. What is Photoship One? Most of us are familiar. We've seen a little bit of what you do. Yeah. So my company designs, manufactures, and sells camera gimbal systems for RC helicopters, uh, multi-rotors now. Uh, We also do camera gimbal, handheld brushless camera gimbal systems for uh, run-and-gun type cinematography as well as full-scale aerial work. That sounds like fun. You do you are you a, do you run the camera yourself sometimes or are you new a pilot? Uh, well, I'm I'm a pilot. I'm a full scale pilot. Oh. I'm a pilot of RC aircraft as well, and uh, I also operate the camera gimbals. In fact, I just uh, did a shoot today for uh, MD Helicopters. They're based out here in Mesa, uh, just not too far from my house. And uh, we went up in the air and full. Now this is full scale, but uh, we went up in the air and did a air to air shoot with some. Notar helicopters at MD-900 Explorer. We were shooting, I was in that helicopter, and we were shooting a brand new MD-520N. And that was using our um, brushless three-axis handheld stabilizer, which can uh, you can unbolt the handle set and put that onto a multi-rotor or helicopter. RC helicopter, that is. That has got to be nice. the single yeah. sickest gimbal I have seen. Like, holy cow, I've seen some of the videos, the tests, and, you know, I've, I've bugged you more more than once about, ooh, let me see a video with you doing this with it or doing that with it, you know, seeing how it would work, um, like, for what we would use it for. And it's just, it's it's phenomenal how, I mean, where technologies come. Yeah, and, and, you know, the brushless gimbal thing is, 
is still really new. We're only talking about, uh, it's in its infancy. It's about a year to maybe a year and a half old. And to see the advancements that we've seen just in that short period of time, it's unbelievable. And it's for, for people like me that are manufacturers and designers, it's making it very difficult because we're, we're having to keep pay ahead of the pace. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it seems like every couple of weeks there's a, there's a new brushless gimbal motor out that has more torque or better resolution. And, uh, there's new firmware coming out with the control boards every couple of weeks. And, you know, we got to stay over here. We got to stay ahead of the game so that, that we can at least sound somewhat competent when we talk to our customers and, it has been an absolute challenge trying to keep up with this brushless rave that's going on right now. Can you start back, like, start back at the first gimbal, and can kind of explain to us, like, well, you know, what's the difference between, uh, like, the first one that you did and and where you're at now? Yeah, so you know, originally camera gimbals were. The, the camera was moved by just taking a standard RC servo and uh, making some slight modifications to it so that it could do a full 360-degree revolution and um, connecting it to the camera axes either with some belts or gears and such, gear-reducing it essentially. And, you know, that's what we did for years. Um, some of the first camera gimbals I made even before I started the company here uh, were back in 2004 and 2005 and... You know, that's how you did it even back then. And since that time, uh, you know, we got started here in 2008. And from 2008 to about, I don't know, early 2013, uh, we were making servo-based gimbals. And, and every, every manufacturer was. That's, that's what you would use. The problem with the servo-based gimbals is the resolution and the accuracy. An RC servo... Uh, is not a very highly accurate device in terms of when it comes to using it for a camera. It works great on moving a swash plate or moving a control surface on an airplane, but when it comes to moving mm-hmm. a camera, you have to have accuracy that's in the tenths of a degree, and we just don't get that with an RC servo. So then the next thing was, um, you know, who came out first with it was DJI with their uh, Zenmuse gimbal. Uh, that came mm-hmm. out, uh, I think, in two, what was it 2012 or so is when that thing came out, and it used brushless motors. And from that point, uh, we started to see some uh, developers take a look at that and say, hey, you know, we can make a control board. Uh, we can make it open source. Uh, that was the market. The, there, there's, there's two different variants of the brushless gimbals right now. There's the Alexmos, which you may or may not have heard of, and then there's the Martinez. And then there seems to be more and more coming online every every month. But uh, these guys took a look at it and said, hey, there's no reason that uh, only DJI should get to do this. We're going to develop our own. And that happened about a year ago or so, and it's just been going crazy ever since. And what you get with the brushless gimbals now, as opposed to the servo gimbals that I mentioned earlier, is you get the accuracy. We're able to get accuracy in the camera down to about a tenth of a degree. Whereas with RC servos, even when we gear reduce them, uh, our accuracy was maybe three to five degrees. So orders of magnitude difference with the brushless gimbals. And that's why they're so popular right now is because you can get an insane amount of stability from them. And, and you know, RC aircraft are not very stable platforms. Um, they're small, they're lightweight, they get tossed around in the wind and such. So you need a brush, you need a gimbal that's going to keep up 
with those motions of the aircraft. And really the only thing that can do that is the brushless gimbal. So that's kind of where it's evolved to. And that's where we're at right now. And, and it's exciting. You know, there's a, if we had the same conversation a year from now, um, I think we'd look back at it and, and we might even chuckle because I, I think we're going to see some, the amount of advancements we've seen since the brushless gimbal has come out until now, we're probably going to see two to five times that amount of advancement within the next year. So it's, it's really exciting times for the, uh, uh, camera gimbal industry for, for small camera gimbals that you might put on a, uh, on an RC aircraft or a handheld gimbal. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. DJ, you know, there are always pros and cons to everything. And I think you touched on some of the pros on the brushless. Is there a reason why as an amateur aerial photographer, I wouldn't want to go with a brushless and I'd, I'd prefer to stick with servos or is it really such a huge step in technology that everyone ought to be using a brushless gimbal system? That's an excellent question. And there for the amateur, for the guy that, that has zero experience with RC, zero experience with any type of uh, camera gimbal system, a brushless gimbal system is not what they want to get into. They are very complex right now. Um, there's a lot of setup. There's a lot of knowledge that has to be gained in tuning the systems and balancing the systems is very complex with a servo based system. It's plug and play, bolt your camera into the camera gimbal, power it up. You're up and running. There's no balancing. There's no tuning. There's no nonsense. You're good to go with the brushless systems. One of the challenges that we're experiencing right now is uh, because we're we're moving into the handheld gimbal market, which these are going to be indie filmmakers and such that have, have no RC experience whatsoever, and the problem is they because they have no RC experience, um, you know they're expecting this thing to be plug and play, pull it out of the box, bolt their camera on it, turn it on, and off they go, and it is mm-hmm. absolutely not that way. It I tell people that have never had any experience with the brushless systems. Um, be prepared to spend at least six to eight weeks to get to the point where you're comfortable enough, you know how to tune the system, you know how to balance it, uh, before you go out and commit yourself to a paying job with it. Because the last thing you want to do is is show up on a job you're getting paid for and you have no idea what you're doing. And if you're a newbie to a brushless gimbal, that's exactly what would happen. So there are definitely wow. cons to it. And, you know, another con too is is not even the – the ease of use is they suffer terribly from low torque on the motors because they are directly driven and there's usually there's no gear or belt reduction on them. Um, they have terrible torque. I would say the the torque value on them is probably one fifth or less of what the torque would be on a standard uh, servo. You know, standard servo has got like what forty ounce inches of torque or something. Um, you're talking about a fifth of that would be my guess. They just absolutely have no torque. Yeah. You can take the, when it's powered up, um, you can take the camera and you can flick it with your fingers and you can knock it. It, You'll, you'll just turn the, turn the motors. It'll, it it, it won't resist that. So that's why camera balance at that point is extremely critical. If you move your camera, you know, three millimeters in either direction on the mounting plate, the system won't work. It won't work properly. Oh so, yeah, and that's a that's a huge departure from the servo systems. I mean, 
I, I've run a couple of servo gimbals myself, and you don't have to worry about that stuff. Balance is key, but not to the extent that it sounds like you're talking about with these gimbals or with yeah. the with the brushless. So it's that down, yeah, that's down, very interesting. Yeah, it's down to the millimeters. In, in fact, even a half a millimeter, if it's a heavy camera, a uh, half a millimeter, it really can make a difference. It sounds crazy, but it's true. Whereas with the servo systems, like I said before. Bolt, just stick the camera in the servo in the uh, camera tray, bolt it down and power it up and you're off and running. There's no nonsense. So there's always going to be a um, uh, a need for the servo based gimbals. I don't think they're going to go away entirely um, for the new guys getting into it. It's a great way to get started, gain some knowledge and evolve into the higher end brushless systems from there. Wow. I had no idea. I, I, I had I. no idea that it was that. <laughs> I mean, just that kind of in that much of an infancy stage still. And I could see where, you know, you're just, you're basically, I, I wouldn't say you're at the mercy of the motor manufacturers, but there's a lot of potential for motor manufacturers to, I mean, can you imagine being that guy that comes up with that motor that, you know, yep. solves the problem? Everyone's just going to flip. I mean, overnight hero. Oh, it, it would be right now. It would be the holy grail. Uh, any any motor manufacturer that can come out with a motor that that can give us the torque that we need um, to where you, where balance won't be as critical, um, instant success overnight. If if that if that's even possible, I don't even know. Uh, it, you know, motor technology. If you think about it, we're motors have been in existence. DC, you know, electric DC and brushless DC motors for decades probably over 100 years and nothing's Long really time, changed yep. yeah not, not, there isn't a whole lot different in motor technology and and that actually gets into some some things that we've been thinking about doing um i don't even know if i should talk about it they're right now <laughs> brushless motors are are three phase you know you've, you've got three windings mm-hmm. um there there's no reason that you need to limit a motor to three phases um, a brushless motor that is, um, a 15 phase, a, a, a 21 phase. There's, we have the technology, we have the ability to process signals, uh, and switch the motors much faster than we're doing now. So a multi-phase motor beyond three phase is going to give you higher efficiency. It's going to give you more torque. And I think that's where we might see some motors start to go here pretty soon. Who, who would have thought that? It, it, you know, this is one one niche in the hobby, and there's this much uh, advancement going on sort of right under our noses. And people who aren't involved in that just just don't see it. Yeah, I mean, we no freak idea. out when we talk about fly barless systems, right? How far they've come in the last couple of years. Look at aerial photography. It's pretty amazing. Well, and, and that's true. I mean, look at uh, if it weren't for aerial photography on RC aircraft in the last four years. I mean, look at what's happening right now. There are so many people that are being exposed to RC aircraft because of aerial photography. Look at the DJI mm-hmm. Phantom quadcopter, for instance. Um, <laughs> you know, 500 bucks, you throw a GoPro on it. And for the most part, you can teach anyone to fly that system in a day. And when has that ever been that accessible to the non-RC enthusiast where they can get an aircraft especially a vertical takeoff and landing, something that hovers like a helicopter, cruise it around in a day. 
and throw a camera on it. That's never happened until the last couple of years. And it's exposing a lot of people to the RC hobby. And get better, I mean, almost get better video than like Dan, you, what, didn't you have a Bergen gasser? I did, yeah. Yeah, back in the day, I mean, we're getting the video out of, you know, the the newer cameras, <laughs> the, the, the you know, the GoPros and the NEXs and the, the A7s and... I mean, the video quality that's coming out of these for the price, it's it's just funny to think how much money was spent like back in the day when you had that Bergen gasser and people were putting, mm-hmm. you know, 30, 40 grand to get the same video quality that we're getting for literally under a thousand on a pilot who learned how to fly that morning. Yeah, it's just <laughs> right. a crash it, course. Well, and also yeah. there's one thing, too, in just the short amount of time. Going back to that gasser, you know, I, that's kind of why I bought it. I bought it with the intent of putting a gimbal on it and doing some aerial photography. I never got that far. In fact, I actually looked at one of your gimbals, and it's been a long time, so I don't remember. I don't remember what what it was, but I'm sure it was one of the first ones because that right was right about the time when I was doing that, 2008, 2009, and um, and it was a complicated process. Uh, first, I had to learn how to help fly the helicopter good enough, and on top of that, it just wasn't. I couldn't get very good uh, footage for, w- without spending way more than I was willing to. And yeah. Now we can do that very easily. Yeah. It's it is pretty crazy when you think about it. When we started doing this in two thousand eight, we were we had developed a um, an eight hundred to one thousand class helicopter uh, based loosely on uh, Mikado running gear to carry large cameras. Uh, you know, red epic and and cameras in the five to nine pound range, and those systems uh, ready to fly were upwards of twenty to thirty thousand dollars. And yeah, I mean, so you're talking about a red epic, which is you know it can be a thirty forty thousand dollar camera, um, but for a thousand bucks, you can get a Phantom, throw a GoPro on it, put the even if you spend a little more and put the DJI uh, Zenmuse gimbal on it. You know, all of a sudden, for a fraction of the cost, you're getting footage that is really good. And for the most part, unless you're doing a high-dollar production, if you're just out shooting, you know, real estate for a realtor or, you know, if you're doing something for a a piece of commercial real estate for a commercial broker, you know, you don't need a Red Epic. You don't need a $40,000 system anymore. Now you can do it for $1,000 or or $1,500. It's crazy that 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 has changed from that dollar amount to sub $1,000 in two years, it's nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, a, I know, I've noticed a lot of guys um, use the comments like, no, I'm not even going to, I don't like to bring my Red Epic out anymore because it's not even worth the risk. Why when I can get, you know, 80% or 85 or 90% of the way there because of the advancements in the gimbals, it's not even worth it to put that camera up in the air and take the risk. Yeah, look at how good GoPros are getting. I mean, GoPro just a couple of years ago, everybody laughed at it. They thought it was a, a piece of crap camera. And, you know, maybe it was when it first came out. But, I mean, here we are now with the 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 Hero 3 and the Hero 3 Plus. I got to tell you, that's some pretty sweet video coming off of those cameras, and it weighs like what an ounce and a half or something. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, <laughs> it's impressive, crazy. man. It's, and for the price, it's crazy. Yeah. Have you been paying much attention to the the legal side of aerial photography? Does that is that does that kind of stuff concern you? Obviously, 
it would impact what you do should something happen. Um, yeah, so I have been uh, in tune with that and probably to a level that I wish I didn't have to have been. I was <laughs> contacted by the FAA in 2009. Mm-hmm. See, before I, so I guess I should go back a little bit. Um, so I started t- Photoship One in 2008. Well, prior to that, in about 2005, I started a company called AZ Chopper Cam. And that company was um, an aerial photography and aerial video provider uh, in my local area here in Phoenix. And I would, uh, I built a couple gasser, uh, JR, GSR 260 gasser systems. And uh, would go out and, and shoot video and, and photography for most of my work was for land developers, uh, home builders, and also uh, auto dealerships. And I did that for a few years. And uh, in, in 2007, the FAA came out with a document that said it was their policy that uh, commercial use of an unmanned aerial vehicle uh, would at that point be prohibited. So that was in February of 2007. That document came out. I um, continued to operate for about another year or year and a half uh, with my AZ Chopper Cam business. And then I got a call from the local uh, FISDO office, the Flight Standards District Office of the FAA here in my area in Scottsdale, Arizona. They contacted me and said, hey, Uh, We're on your website, azchoppercam.com now, and we see that uh, you mentioned that you use unmanned aerial vehicles for your photography. I said, yeah. And they said, well, what are those? Are they like RC helicopters or what? So I explained it to them. They said, well, we're here to tell you that uh, you're no longer allowed to do that. And if you continue, you you risk your full-scale pilot certificate because we can violate you with unsafe operation of an aircraft, and that would then fall Ooh. under your, your full-scale huh. private wow. So at that point, uh, being that my full-scale certificate was in jeopardy, I decided to suspend operations of the uh, RC helicopter side of things and then focused more on Photoship One, which was at that point designing, manufacturing, and selling the gear. Because it's not illegal to have a camera gimbal to put it on your helicopter or multi-rotor and go out and take pictures for fun, for amateur use. It's perfectly legal. It's only the commercial side of it. And I always thought that was a little ridiculous because, you know, here you you could essentially take a – uh, a, a Bergen gasser, you know, w- with a camera that think could weigh 35 pounds, you could fly it up a thousand feet in the air uh, within a few miles of an airport, a full-scale airport, take pictures all you want for fun. No, not illegal, no problem. I could take a small little micro drone, uh, lift it five inches in the air, take a picture, charge a penny for it, and now I face a $10,000 fine. So it's a little yeah. ridiculous <laughs> done that. But yeah, it's it's you know it's it's it, they put a clamp down on a lot of operators, and there are now cases. In fact, just uh, a month or two ago, there's a case where the FAA found a video on YouTube or something from three years ago. A guy flying a foamy um, for some college, I believe, it was in Virginia or somewhere, um, for commercial purpose, and they went back three years and had fined him ten thousand dollars for that flight. Oh, seriously. Wow. Yeah. So here we have it now where we've got commercial use of these systems is at your own risk. And and we have customers calling us daily and, and they say, well, we want to get into business. And and I have to tell them, I have to say, look, you know, here's the situation. I explain it to them. So you're, you're operating at your own risk. And they say, well, 
we see we see videos online all the time. We see companies out there doing it. I said, you know what? There there are companies out there. They're doing it. They're taking the risk that they may or may not get caught. But in basically, what it comes down to is it is not legal for commercial purpose at this moment. Yeah, it's. I know yeah. it's frustrating because uh, Jesse and I, you know, right when that. Right when that hit, uh, we were starting to really get into it and had some really good plans and big plans. And it, it you know, we ended up deciding, you know, with him in, in school and, you know, yeah. my my commitments and, and priorities to, yeah. to real life and my family. It was like, wow, it just wasn't worth, you know, it wasn't <laughs> worth the risk for us. It wasn't us. worth that, yeah. But it's so frustrating because... Everyone in this industry knows that the potential, I mean, this is the future. This is where it's going. There's no question. And if you well, can put, no, there's no stopping it's just, whatsoever. I know. And it's almost like the guys that are getting, it's like you have to cheat. You have to be willing to go non legal in the U.S. at any rate um, to get ahead. You know, it's like you just can't run an honest business and just go out and do it on pure talent and willingness and drive. You have to be willing to break the law to do it to get ahead. But then when you're the guy that wants to do it, it's really frustrating to see all those other guys getting really, really good because it's all about experience. Yeah. And you know what's sick about the whole thing is here you have so so here at Photoship One, we you know, we sell globally. We're not we're not just here in the US. In fact, I would say most I would say Probably 75% of our sales are outside the U.S. And you have, here we have America. Like, we're supposed to be the leader of the world in technology and everything. And here we have this case where unmanned aerial vehicles, a really a highly techni- you know, technological area industry, is they haven't figured it out yet. And everywhere else in the globe, I sell stuff to all through countries through Europe. Uh, I sell stuff to the Middle East. Uh, New Zealand, Australia, Canada, uh, the UK, they they already have rules in place. They've had rules in place that allow commercial use of unmanned aerial vehicles. And here we are in America. FAA has not done anything about it. They're working on it, they say. And the Congress passed a a bill last uh, February, uh, February of 2012, I believe, that says, okay, FAA, by 2015, we mandate you to have rules in place to allow commercial use of small unmanned aerial vehicles. Well, I can tell you what's going to happen already because I know how the federal government here works. 2050 is going to come and go, and they're going to get an extension because they still don't know what the hell they're doing. And, you know, here we're going to be, honestly, I think we're going to be 2016, 2017 before we see any type of legal use of these systems. And here we are, America, right? Every other country's got it, not us. What do you think the holdup yeah. is? America. <laughs> yeah, well, it's unfortunate. And, and, you know, privacy. Privacy is a big concern. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's not an FAA issue. The, the privacy is something else. FAA, all they're concerned about is integration into the national airspace system. FAA's concern is they don't want to have small unmanned aerial vehicles getting in the way of manned aircraft. And And – I get that. That's that's a valid point. I mean, let's face it. When you're in an airliner and you're coming into approach in a busy airport, the last thing you want to see when you look out your window is an octocopter at 800 feet above the ground just whiz by you, right? Like, you don't want to see that. So <laughs> I, understand, I understand that fully. 
But there are ways that, that we can at least allow the use of these systems. I would say 90% or more of RC helicopters and multirotors are flown probably under 300 foot above the ground or less and within 200 yards laterally from the pilot. I got to say, oh, yeah. if there's any full-scale yep. aircraft that are in that area at that point in time, they have other issues that they're worrying about. <laughs> not <hitting the> Yeah, <laughs> there is bigger problems. <laughs> yes. So there's ways that we can we can do this. The FAA can say, okay, we can take small uh, weight limits. Say, call it uh, call it twenty pounds. We can take these systems. Uh, we can say you can't go higher than four or five hundred feet above the ground. You can't operate it any further laterally than say three hundred yards. And you have to have a pilot and you have to have a spotter. Go for it. That right there is not going to be a problem for the national airspace system, for the most part. I mean, there may be some weird circumstance if you're operating near a a busy airport or something, then sure, you need to be smart about it. But for the most part, we could do that right now, and we're not jeopardizing the national airspace system. And any instances that didn't didn't fit that, like every single thing else that we do, you could go get a permit for it. Here, okay, you want to go higher or you want to go farther because of this situation, you know, go here, apply for this yeah, permit, get it cleared. and you can do that. Da-da-da. Done. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, nothing, when you get, that's a whole other topic. You start talking to federal government. You don't want to get me going on that, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a libertarian anarchist at heart. If it were up to me, I would have almost no government whatsoever, and and people would thrive, in my opinion. Um, but you know, that's not the way it is. And we have to live with what's given to us. So for right now, we, we just sit tight and, and we wait and see what the FAA is going to come out with. There will be a point here pretty soon, um, where they're going to open up the, um, the regulations for public comment. And when that happens, I, I strongly encourage anyone in the RC industry, even if you're just a hobbyist and, and you'll never ever plan on putting a camera on one of your systems, get on there and, and comment publicly they it, anytime they make new regulations they always have this public comment period and it allows you as the public to go in and speak your mind and if enough people go in and say speak their mind and say hey make sure you know the number one thing about government is don't hurt the don't hurt business don't hurt commerce yeah you're you're there to to, to protect and serve people but you're most certainly not there to hurt commerce so they need to make sure that these rules that they come out with don't hurt commerce and and let people create all these new different types of businesses and jobs that can come from this. If you think about it, this industry, you know, I, I tell people all the time what we're seeing with with uh, unmanned aerial video and photography is like what what Apple was in in the late seventies and eighties. As crazy as advanced as this has already come right now, we are still in the absolute infancy of all this. And there are mm-hmm. there are so many jobs and, and different types of things that can be done. Just open it up and let people in and do it. Yeah, yeah and, and yeah. you know, that that's my biggest concern, DJ. I mean, I'm not nearly as knowledgeable about all of this as, as you are. But when I looked into it a little bit, a lot of the rumor mill suggests that whether or not they come to a conclusion in 2015 or 2017, whenever it is, it's likely going to surround something like 
regulation that costs people money to get registered as a commercial aerial photography pilot for RC uh, aircraft. And if that if that price point is larger than what a typical small business is willing to risk to get their business off the ground, then you've done exactly what you just said, which is hurt commerce. Yeah, you know, the, the, and that's true. The, the government is supposed to do no harm. It, it's it's a it's a saying in, in the industry. You, government cannot do harm to private industry. They're, they can't. They can only help. And in cases like this, they would clearly be doing harm. So, you know, who knows what, what's going to happen with it. Um, I will say one thing. The FAA, as much as people in, in the RC industry right now and the RC hobby are, are kind of ticked off at them, um, the FAA really is there to help. They're bound by certain things and other agencies, but core FAA officials, and I deal with them on a somewhat often basis, they're they're a great group of people. They just want safety in the industry. They want safety in the national airspace system. So I don't want to come across as, as though I'm dogging on the FAA because they really are out there to, to make things safer. But at the same point, I think they could be a, uh, quite a bit more efficient in their rulemaking process and in how they're working <laughs> with the small unmanned mm-hmm. drones. So we've talked about the FAA side of things, and you mentioned something a bit ago about privacy, and I think this might speak to the larger concern because it kind of affects the unwashed perception of what people who have cameras on RC aircraft are all about and what they're trying to do. I mean, it seems to me you must deal with the privacy issue, whether you're talking with customers or in talks with officials, whether it's the FAA or other officials. Uh, Can you speak to the privacy issue and and what you perceive as the overall writing concern that might affect aerial photography? Yeah, so privacy is a big issue right now. And um, again, that has nothing to do with the FAA. They're just concerned with safety in the airspace system. But privacy is is another issue entirely. And I mean, look at all the news that we've seen lately with the NSA, um, that we've seen with with drones in in the Middle East and and how we use them to surveil and and kill you know terrorists and that tra- you know the general public doesn't understand they don't know what an octocopter is that's going to be used to shoot a beautiful photograph of a home that's for sale they don't they don't get that when they hear the word drone uh, they think it's something that's going to have rockets on them that's going to like kill them or it's going to have a camera on it and its sole purpose is just to watch them in their backyard. And honestly, that's bullshit. Like that, that's not what it's about. Um, but, but let's face it, the, the general consensus with the public is a drone. Oh my God, it's watching me. It's watching me. Well, you know what? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, when I'm, when I'm in an airliner or when I'm in a private airplane, uh, I can have a camera fully legal. I can take a picture. If you're sitting in your backyard and you have no clothing on, uh, I can take a picture of you. You have no right to privacy in your backyard, believe it or not, from the air. Um, once it's so they, they think that all of a sudden, like there's this huge privacy issue. Well, you know what? I can I could go rent a helicopter. I could go hop in an airplane. I could br- get my camera and I could take a picture of you in your backyard all day long. I could post it online and it's completely legal. Nothing has changed. That's it's been that way for decades. The the difference is 
Um, so what now, because we don't have an actual human being in the aircraft with his hand on a joystick, all of a sudden now it's a privacy issue. There's no difference here. Well, I got to take one issue with that. I think proximity is a driving force in that particular, because I mean, you're not going to get a full scale helicopter 15 feet away from my fence. No. And, and, and that is a valid concern. I could see that. Um, but really, how many, where's that happening right now? Well, where? I get that. But that's, that's kind of, I think, that's what people are thinking. They're thinking my neighbor is flying this, this quad to my window so he can watch my wife undress. That, I think. But you know what? We have, we have anti-peeping Tom laws, and that would, that would already I, fall I, under that. I agree. Let me, I got it. I want to bring up one point. Um, I have some friends that, that uh, run an or- they're working on an organization. They did. They went. Uh, it's called RC Fly. They went to Oklahoma to talk to some lawmakers, and they had they did a presentation. The first question asked by a lawmaker in Oklahoma was, "Why would you put a camera on one of these remote controlled machines if not for voyeurism?" That's a lawmaker asking that question. Wow. That's an uphill well, battle. It's an 800-pound gorilla, is what we're up against, and uh, you know, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what the answer is to it, other than just try to educate the public and let them know, hey, I'm not, I'm not out here trying to spy on you. And you know, you got to imagine. So I deal with it on a regular basis because we're we're constantly building systems, we're putting them up in the air, we're testing them, and in a lot of cases, I'm flying them here at my house. And now, fortunately, my neighbors have come to understand what I do, and and they see the ship flying, and they see a camera on it. They know I'm not spying on them. They know, oh, it's it's just DJ. He's he's testing a new system. But at first, it was a concern. I actually had a neighbor in a house I lived in a few years ago. Um, she called the police on me. I was I was testing a system in my backyard. Had a little camera on it. It was a logo. Uh, what was it? It was a logo 500 uh, helicopter. And I had it about 40 feet or so up in the backyard, had the camera on. I was testing for vibration. And um, she called the police. And police come to my house. And uh, they said, well, we have, uh, we have a report that you're spying on someone. You're peeping Tom's, your, your neighbor behind you. I said, what are you talking about? And we had a discussion. I, I invited him in, and he had a look at it. And he says, really? It's just that? I said, yeah, it's a hobby helicopter. They throw a camera on it. I sell these systems. So I wasn't, I wasn't spying on her. I was just testing the system. Of course, he ended up getting really intrigued with all the uses that, that he could see it being used for uh, <laughs> yeah, law enforcement. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we ended up chatting for probably 45 minutes from that. And she's, he, he, it ended up, he says, well, you know, you're not breaking any laws and I have to go over there and, and talk to her. I'll just let her know that, hey, you're, you know, you're not spying on her. This is what you do. And, and this is that. So, but, but it was a, you know, it was a valid concern. I, I could see someone never, that's not, in the RC industry, in the photography industry, just an average Joe Schmo sitting in her backyard, helicopter pops up over the fence, got a camera on it. Okay, you know what? I can get that. I, I understand there's some concerns there. Um, but by and large, that, that's not the way these systems are going to be used. They're going to be used for commercial purpose. They're going to be used to go out and shoot uh, pictures of, of homes for sale, of, of uh, parcels of land that are going to be developed and, and whatnot. That's how they're going to be used. Now, with anything, let's face it, there are going to be the rogue pilots out there, like you have in anything. You got the guys out there that are going to break the law. They're going to do crazy things with them. You're going to have that. Well, then that's why you have a, you have some regulation in place so that you can combat that. 
But how that is going to come to be, I don't know. I just hope that um, that the public can be educated to know that, hey, by and large, for the most part, we're, these systems are not out here to look at you in your backyard. They're here to serve a purpose. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a tough fight. Yeah. Yep. I think, that, you know, my my favorite line, and, and I used it, I actually went and talked to uh, um, the local fire department uh, and approached them about, about, you know, using a system. And I got... I got one of those ladies at the <laughs> at the receptionist desk when I went in, and she goes, well, how do I know that you're not going to use that to go spy on my daughter in my backyard? I mean, that was a, her genuine response. Yeah. And I said, ma'am, why would I spy on your daughter when I could take a picture of a house and make a lot more? Right. That is what I think people don't yeah. realize. It's like that... <laughs> It, it, basically, we're you know with the the quality um, of, of footage and and pictures with the you know the advancements in these systems, there is the potential for a lot of money to be made here, and it is not taking pictures of people. It's yeah. t- it, you know it's it's real estate, it's cinematography. I mean the the creativity now that you can do you know like you mentioned with the with a GoPro on a, on a Phantom, throw that in, you know, jeez, um, I don't know, any one of your cookie-cutter, box-cutter video editing programs now, man, I mean, the potential to make money, it's tremendous. And I, I don't think that, that the average, you know, Joe Schmo neighbor and, and average citizen really understands that if I'm going to put, if I'm going to take the time to put a camera on one and put it up in the air, I would love to be making some money doing it. Sure. And yeah. and taking pictures of you in your backyard <laughs> is the farthest thing from making money it's that I could possibly be doing. Well, it's and not I even think worth- that's where the education side comes in. Uh, you know, it's it's no different. I mean, you could you could apply it to someone buying a camera from Target. I mean, just as DJ said, you can go out and take pictures of anything and anybody legally. And while I'm not necessarily suggesting that someone's going to be poking their camera through someone's backyard or window, I mean, you could criticize that that group or that hobby or that community in the same exact way. The fact of the matter is that people who will try or do amateur photography or I'm sorry, aerial photography, whether amateurly or professionally, there's going to be some super tiny, small percentage that are going to try to to spy or to, you know, engage in voyeurism. They're always outliers, but the vast majority of the community is not in any way interested in that. And once yeah. once the general public is educated as to what the benefits of it are, what people are doing with it, I think that they would I, I think they would support it a lot more. I mean, let's face it. And DJ, you can probably tell us this better than anyone else. How I, the, the number of times I sit there and watch TV and I see a really cool shot of, you know, uh, uh, what appears to be a camera hovering above a, a car, you know, like a car advertisement or real estate or a golf cart or go- golf course. How much of that is full scale versus actual aerial i mean there there are uh, rc there's probably a lot of rc out there that people don't realize 
is capturing the footage and the images that they see on a regular basis in media. Absolutely. That that's that's a very accurate point. Um, I and I do. I watch TV and I see those things and, and you know I'm looking for it because th- this is my industry. This is my business. Mm-hmm. So you know I'm watching TV and I can clearly tell. Uh, what if this is an RC shot or if this is a helicopter shot or if this is a, a jib arm or a crane shot. And I'm seeing just in the last few years a huge amount greater shots being done with RC vehicles. And the general public, they don't know that. They're just, they're just watching their show. They're being entertained. They don't, they don't know how it's happening behind the scenes. If they did know, uh, they might be more apt to allow the technology um, you know, it's like, you know, look at the turn of the 20th century when we had horse-drawn carriages and then the, then the automobile came about. Look at how many people shunned and thought it was some satanic device because <laughs> a horse wasn't drawing it. You know, it was the same thing. And, and I, I, I'd say we're kind of there right now with these unmanned aerial vehicles. The, the public, they, they just, it's, they're not used to it. It's not something that they have seen before, so they're nervous about it. They're they're uncertain, and we see the same thing. The technology has changed, but the psychology is the same. Yeah, yeah, and you can't blame them. I mean, they're they're you're, you cannot expect them as a whole to go out and educate themselves. But their perception is their reality, and the only people that have control over breaking down that perception is the people in the know. But. Right. There are people you can blame. There are people that portray and completely, you know, we we see them. We've all seen the YouTube videos of somebody doing something absolutely stupid. Those just get yep. slammed into the limelight and that that becomes the representation. Well, and you know, that's just a factor of of our society as a whole with yes. with technology and communication and and social networking. Yes. Um you know, we're we're seeing it's not just uh, it's not just drones. It's it's everything. It's it's guys doing donuts in their cars in the middle of the street, taking videos. It's it's everything. Shit that's always happened. You know, there's nothing new that's going on. It's just that now we have access to it, and that access is probably creating more the problem than than the the activity itself. And how do you change that? I don't know. Um, you just, you do your best to, to self, you know, I think self-policing is huge, yeah. uh, within the industry. Um, we, and, and you know, what's great about RC guys is for the most part, uh, we self-police very well. Um, you go onto the forums and, and you see some idiot posting a video that's just clearly stupid. And for the most part, people speak up and they say, you know what, you are the guy that's going to ruin it for the rest of us. And we, we won't stand for it. And we do see that. And, and I think that's great. And that's huge. As long as we have a, a, a good self-policing policy among us and, and try to advance it in a safe manner, that's going to go a long way. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Where do you see, uh, where, you know, where do you see Photoship One in the, in the future in all of this? I mean, if they, are you going to uh, kind of redirect some force if, if the FAA gets this all figured out and... I mean, go back. Obviously, you're still selling systems. Now, you're just not doing gimbal systems, correct? Yeah. So we, what we're doing, it's it's kind of it's kind of we've run a full gamut of of scenarios, and we've been doing over the past couple of years, and we we have kind of uh, 
I would say we've slowed down our ready-to-fly systems. We get photographers calling us all the time saying, hey, I want want an octocopter or I want a helicopter because I want to go out and I want to take these shots of houses or whatever it is that I do. And there are plenty of companies out there that will just say, whatever, cool, what's your credit card number? We'll do it. We're not doing that here. Mm-hmm. Um, I will absolutely not sell a system to someone. I, I can usually, within a half an hour to 45 minutes of talking to a potential customer, uh, I can get a, a pretty good picture of um, what I think their experience level is and, and if I think they're going to be able to operate a system safely. And, if, and if, if I don't see that, I won't sell it to them. So because we've seen a huge increase in a lot of unexperienced, unknowledged uh, potential customers coming to us, uh, I've had to turn them down. I don't want that liability uh, for my company. Um, so we've been turning them down and we've been focusing more lately on just selling the camera gimbal systems rather than the ready to fly octocopters and helicopters and such. Because with a camera gimbal system, if you're buying a camera gimbal system, uh, the odds are you've already done your research. You, you know what you're going to do with it. You know what you're going to put it on. You've worked all that out. Um, so that's kind of where I've, I've shifted things. Now, once we see the FAA come out with black and white regulation, um, it's going to be easier for us to see the problem that we have right now is, is general liability insurance. Um, there are, there are a few insurance providers that are willing to write policies for this type of business because there's, it's unregulated and it's so new and there's so many concerns. They don't want to touch it with a 10 foot pole. And I, yeah. I, I won't run my yeah. business unless I have some type of insurance against that. So once we see it, FAA comes out, black and white regulation, this is how it's going to be, then that's going to change, for us at least. Now, like I said, there's always there's a million and one guys out there that are running shops in their garage, selling ready-to-fly DJI Phantoms and, and DJI F550s and so on. They're out there. But you know what? They're taking it. They're taking a pretty big risk, in my opinion. They're just looking at the dollar signs, and I'm not about that. I, I, I see a huge potential for the industry to advance, and it's not by selling a multi-rotor or an RC helicopter to some dude who's never flown before. That ten minutes later, he's going to go dorking into ground or into some somebody's property or some person, and then it's going to become mainstream national news. I don't want to be part of that myself. So we've kind of distanced ourselves from the ready-to-fly systems, just kind of waiting to see what happens with the FAA. And in the meantime, we're doing just the camera gimbal systems. We're branching out now into the handheld uh, brushless gimbal systems for the full-scale aerial operators, for the run-and-gun uh, indie filmmakers and such. Um, that's a whole new industry that that we're tapping into right now. Which is weird because it's so, I mean, like you said, you literally unbolt one thing, put you know, then hang it under a heli, hang it under an octo, and it's all right there. It's amazing how it's all really starting to kind of mold together. Yeah, it is. It's it's a convergence. Yeah, the modularity. Yeah, it is. It's a convergence of of the of RC aircraft, uh, helicopters, multi rotors, even fixed wing, um, with decades old film industry cinematography. You're seeing this convergence now where it's just blending through, and and we're getting a lot of of uh, 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 inquiries from filmmakers that have no RC experience whatsoever, and they're seeing this technology. They're seeing it more for for the handheld brushless gimbal systems, but then they start browsing my website and they start talking to me, and they're like, "Wow, so 
I mean, I can put this on an RC helicopter or, or a multi-rotor, and I can get these awesome aerial shots that I've seen all over the place now? Absolutely you can. And they're, they're really intrigued and interested by that. And had it not been for uh, the, in, the, the uh, aerial, RC aerial industry going where it's gone in the last couple of years, they wouldn't have a clue that any of this stuff exists. So we're definitely seeing a crossover between the, the industries. I think it's cool. I, just, I, wish, I wish I could just snap my fingers you know, because I just, I still, there's, yeah. you know, we all love, to, everyone here loves to fly. Uh, you know, I enjoy slamming the sticks just as much as anyone, but there's something about, you know, just the, the thought of a, of an 800, you know, like with this, <laughs> this <laughs> DJ's Phoenix Gimel hanging under that thing. And it's like, oh man, I mean, just what the potential there for amazing creativity you know basically once you get invested in it you are you're only putting limitations on yourself because what you can do with that is it's just beyond anything that anyone can imagine um you know in the cinematography industry and i i really hope that they i'm jealous i'm very jealous of other countries on this aspect yeah, it's unfortunate that that we've been as slow here in the U.S. as, as we've been, but you know it'll get there. Uh, it will happen. Um, we're just just going to take a little time, and and hopefully, um, you know, it, all it takes is is public outcry in the wrong in the wrong direction for a short period of time to create regulation that lasts decades. And um, yeah. you know we see that we see that we see them attempting to do that with with gun control. It's a whole other issue that I could probably go on for. <laughs> um, I'm you know, right there with you. Yeah. So I mean, you, you have you you can have small uh, events greatly affect long term regulation, and and I don't want to see that happen with this, and I don't think it will because the rest of the world gets it. For the most part, they get it, and they and they've already put their regulations in place, and we'll get there. Um, we we're just a little slow to adapt, I guess. Uh, we've got a lot of listeners out there who have asked us questions before about how to get into aerial photography, not necessarily to be professional, but as an amateur, just to play around with it a little bit. We've talked a lot about the DJI ready to fly solutions, like the Phantom. And I mean, to me, it, it looks like that one's tough to beat. But I, as you know, everyone in the heli hobby loves to tinker. And so for someone who doesn't want that sort of out of the box, ready to fly system and wants to put a little bit more time and effort into it, customization, what what do you recommend that they get into? Is it a is it a heli with a camera on it for their first time? Is it a multi rotor? You know, what what do you think? Boy, um, so that's a that's a question I get often is, what should I get? Should I get a helicopter? Should I get a multi-rotor? And that's, that's a question that can't be answered um, the way it's put to me in that fashion. E- each system has its pros and cons. Uh, a helic- an RC helicopter is going to be able to fly at a greater speed, forward flight speed, than a multi-rotor. That'll always be the case. Um, so if you're, if you're doing, if you plan on doing shots where you're going to be out chasing, uh, dirt bikes or, or, you know, chasing cars down a road at, at 50, 60 miles an hour, well, a helicopter, 
Um, if you're going to be doing shots where you're doing a lot of hovering, a lot of uh, slow motions laterally, slow motions vertically, um, multi-rotor. So each one is, it's, it's a tool that you have in your bag. Ideally, you would have a helicopter and you'd have a multi-rotor and you would select which tool you need for the job. Mm -hmm. Um, but having said that, I, I would have to say for the most part, I would recommend a multi-rotor only because of the, the ease of being able to fly them. They're very easy to fly with the stabilization systems that are on board. Yep. Uh, you don't have, you know, 501 moving parts that you have to deal with, uh, with a helicopter. Um, there are no moving parts in a multi-rotor unless you count the rotor on the motor itself. I don't count that as a moving part. Um, it's essentially a solid state device. So very easy to maintain there with a helicopter, you know, learning how to fly the helicopter is, is only a very small portion of it. Think about if you've got a, you, you know, if you've flown RC helicopters for years, you're flying the helicopter and it starts to make a weird noise. And you need to know, is that a noise that means land right now? Or is that a noise that means, eh, it's no big deal. It's just this or that. I can continue my flight. That only comes with years of flying an RC helicopter. Um, so with a multi-rotor, you don't really have those types of things. Because there's so many moving parts on a helicopter, you have to concern yourself with the maintenance issue and knowing intimately how the system works. So that's why I say, for the most part, for anybody getting into it, even if you're a tinkerer, uh, the multi-rotor probably still is the best option, and I think it will continue to be. Um, the helicopter, I think what you're going to see, I don't think you're going to see helicopters going away for aerials. I think you're going to see them being used more in a specialized type of shots, shots where you need to track and chase a car doing 50 miles an hour. Uh, mm -hmm. Or you need to lift, or you know, you, you want to lift thirty pounds or twenty or thirty pounds worth of gear. Right now, that's the helicopter. It's probably going to be that way for a while. Now we are seeing some some pretty large multi rotors being built. In fact, there's there's even a multi rotor that carry a human that's out in Germany right now. Um, so maybe we see that change with the multi rotors. But um, if you're just getting into it, probably multi rotors be the best way to go. Uh, in, now, in terms of flight control systems, so DJI is like a plug and play deal. You, even, even if you have like their Nazo or Wukong or whatever, for the most part, it's plug and play. But they don't give you a lot of tuning options. If you want to go in and tweak PID algorithms and gain settings and, and GPS gain, antenna gains and such, well, you're not going to do that with a DJI system. It's for the masses. It's something that you literally plug it in, power it up, flash a couple settings, and off you go. If you want to get in and you want to tinker and you want to get better performance, uh, my personal favorite to this day is still the microcopter systems out of Germany. Uh, that's what uh, I, I built my first microcopter hexacopter back in 2009 before anybody knew what hexacopters were for the most part. And it was a microcopter-based flight control system. It's by far, in my opinion, superior to DJI in terms of adjustability. If, you wanna f if you're a tinkerer and you want to fine-tune the settings and get it to fly exactly the way you want, that's the way to go. The other option would be to check out the ArduPilot, which is an open source platform uh, based on uh, Arduino uh, and, and, uh, and uh, Atmel Mega Processors. Um, there's a couple options out there for tinkerers. So you've got that. But if you want to plug and play and you want to get in the air and go, right now, it's the DJI. I don't, I don't know that we're going to see a deviation from that anytime soon. 
Um, it's tough for, for any country outside of China to innovate and develop cost effectively right now. Um, that has a lot to do, in my opinion, with China uh, artificially devaluing their currency and subsidizing manufacturing illegally, but that's a whole other topic. Uh, <laughs> and, and unfortunately, consumers around the world eat it up. They shop based on their pocketbook, and um, that isn't always the best way to do it, and it greatly affects companies like myself, where here we are. I mean, I'm an American company. My Phoenix A10, for instance, designed right here in Mesa, Arizona, manufactured my machine shops right here in Mesa, Arizona. Um, it's American-made. I will have to say, and I will admit right here and now, that the motors, unfortunately, are from China. There are no, to my knowledge, American-made brushless motors for camera gimbals in the world right now. They do not exist. Uh, if it weren't for that, I would have an entirely American-made system. And I, I believe that's important. I, I think we should, if you're in America here, uh, try not to base your purchasing decisions solely on price and getting things from China. If there's an American manufacturer that's got a superior product in terms of quality, support, and service, and you know what, maybe it costs a little more, do, do yourself a favor in the long term and buy domestically whenever you can. And, and, and I think that's huge. We're coming up on an hour, so I thought uh, before we get, let you go, you should maybe give us your URL so our listeners can take a look at your site and kind of see what you have to offer. Where, where, how would they find you on the Internet there? Yeah, so if they want to check out some of our products, um, they can just go to our website. It's Photoship One, and the one is spelled out. So it's P-H-O-T-O-S-H-I-P-O-N-E. Dot com, Photoship1.com. Um, all of our products are up there. We've got samples of aerial videos. You can see all of our products. You can purchase online. It's all right there. No, I'm just still drooling. I want... <laughs> Nick's, <Yeah>. all, <laughs> Nick's all jealous. I, I, yeah, I'm just yeah, mad the, that this is on pause for This is a right pretty now. timely interview, too, because it's the dead of winter here, and I've been in and out of quads and aerial photography and video at an amateur level, and it's been a few months... So now I think I'm going to have to dust some stuff off here. <laughs> well, it's, you know, I the, my big thing, like, with this, the Phoenix A10 gimbal, uh, for me personally, is I think, you know, like, we love shooting trailer videos. And, and yeah. there's there's a whole other aspect of this hobby that just because it's not up in the air, the trailer videos that have come out of the marketing side of our hobby have been, you know, just amazing yeah. Uh, oh yeah I, I mean Derek three at the forefront of it they're just putting out phenomenal footage and combining you know uh ground with aerial to it just it captures events and i look at this and i'm like oh oh what i would love to do with that and then just the thought of being able to take that same gimbal you know that same quality the brushless that sort of a thing and then hang it under an octo and get aerial on top of it yeah it, that yep. puts me in little slice of heaven right yeah. there <laughs> it's been a it's been it's been awesome having you on man i i uh i haven't I, I haven't really to be honest with you i haven't really thought of aerial photography for a long time since i decided way back in the day when i decided to put that bergen away uh i know nick and these guys have, have really been kind of considering it so it's been kind of a learning experience uh to be able to have you on the show and kind of learn some of this stuff yeah. i do appreciate your time man you bet i had a great time Anytime you want to come on or you have anything you want to let our listeners know about, by all means, uh, give us a give us a holler. And uh, we'd love to have you on. Yeah.
great. I'll keep that in mind. So, Dan, how are you liking that electric power? You know, Nick, I am enjoying the electric power. And I got to tell you, even a guy that's an advanced sport flyer like myself, I can tell you that the difference is very noticeable. And the only thing I can say is Gen's Ace batteries, they are leaving the other guys green with envy. So there you go. Do you get, is, that, is that, I mean, you guys all are well-versed now in AP stuff and gimbals and... Man. Oh, yeah, I, dude. I, I learned a, a ton. I yeah, absolutely. I, Thank you, DJ. Yeah. That absolutely. was that was a, an awesome discussion. Yeah. Such a such an awesome I mean, just I love the technology. I love the advancements. It's probably the fastest changing industry and market out there right now, yet it's kind of got that like bad boy renegadeness to it to where it's just it's so unstable that that's what kind of makes it awesome. And these guys are putting out just phenomenal products. Yeah, I mean, the other cool part is is no most people have no idea of this industry or the potential that it has. Mm-hmm. Yep. Does that scare you? Yeah, it makes me want to go and get one of my quads back in the air. It it does. I I shouldn't say it scares me a little bit. It. It actually kind of bumps me out because I love being at the forefront of stuff. I love it. That's just, that's where I thrive. I I like doing that. But this is is such a time-consuming, you know, I've kind of enjoyed, I'm torn. I've enjoyed sitting back watching it progress, but yet secretly I'm actually pissed because I'm not out at the front of it doing it, but I don't. I don't feel like there's physically it would be impossible for me to be involved in both aspects of the hobby equally as big. And on that note, if you haven't noticed, I think there's quite a few um, well-known name pilots that have found that out as well. I oh, yeah. You're, yeah, you're, we're seeing there's that There's a lot of guys that are like, hey, wh- whatever happened to that guy? Yeah. Oh, well. He's been doing AP for the last three years, and you know, yeah, they just kind of disappear, <laughs> snuck out of the hobby because it's you. It, it's so fast paced that you. It's like an all in deal. If you're gonna do it, you you go all in on it, and that is what you kind of do. Yeah, and you know, it's it's getting easier and easier for the entry level guys to get into it. Um, that's the part. And again, I don't mean to piss anyone off, but that's the part that kind of scares me. You know, it. Um, there's. I just, think that's fair. There's though. potential there for for some very unpleasant things to happen to the hobby. We've um, got to be careful. With the that's ease. for sure. Yep. Yeah. So if you're yeah, interested and it, in that, and that's something you want to do, just just you know use a little common sense, but enjoy it. Enjoy the shit out of it. You enjoy yeah. your quads. Your quad lovers. <laughs> yeah, but it's not. I know it's not I mean, just quads, but you, you. Well, but look at uh, you know. I keep going back to this, but I'm look at what we have. You know, so the okay, so it started with the aerial thing, right? And this this whole gimbal. I mean, the the gimbal is like it's the art of the gimbal. You know, that's the heart of where all of these function at. Multi rotor heli to me, it's like yeah, whatever it's hanging under. But the gimbal is that's where the magic really happens, and. Now, because 
our industry has made it, you know, has standardized stuff and is pushing so advanced. Now it's transferring over into the regular camera gimbal stuff, and we're able to get, you know, like with with the Phoenix A10, the guys that are out shooting trailer videos, and I had mentioned it before, that's what I love to see. I love to see these just incredibly awesome trailer videos, and it's it's happening because of the, the push and the thrive yeah. in the AP industry. That's true. That is true. We... Uh you know, we just kind of got to make sure that we go about it the right way and don't nothing silly happens. That's the tricky yep. part. Uh, you know, DJ, thank you for coming on. And uh, God, man, you're welcome anytime. Uh, maybe maybe next time we can talk about uh, government stuff because it seemed to me like you <laughs> had a few things to say. About <laughs> yeah, that stuff. government and guns. <laughs> government and guns. <laughs> we can definitely Always good topics. Not really heli related, but uh, what the hell? We're coming up on the end of the year. And as in, you know, typically every year at the end of the year, we kind of like to do a little recap. We're going to be doing that soon. Uh, you know, it's this has been this year has been a phenomenal year for for us. We're going to kind of go over some of that stuff next week. I'm kind of excited about the first of the year. Uh, we've got a lot of really cool things up our sleeve that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're really <laughs> gonna want that. You're really gonna want to pay attention to the next few episodes in particular. There's some really cool things. We got some mm-hmm. new segments coming up. Uh, we've got another really cool. I, I want so bad to talk about it, but it's not ready. It's such a cool Don't idea. Do it. Um, definitely though, the RC Heli Nation faithful out there that listen every week. You guys are definitely. I mean, obviously you will because you guys that listen every week, you'll download the show anyway, but you're going to want to pay close attention to the next few weeks. Let's just leave it at that. Enough of a teaser. We got something special planned. We do have shirts. We got a lot of shirts, and I kind of dropped the ball. I have a list here, and I just never got it to Justin so he could add it to the webpage as far as what we have available. I will tell you this. Unless you are – actually, no, I do have one small left. Right now, we've got every size available. So if you want a shirt, the new long sleeve, Together We Are the Nation shirt, let me know. We'll get them out. We've got all the pre-orders out. Apparently, they're showing up. Haven't seen any pictures of them yet. <clears throat> hint. Hint. Yeah. <laughs> did you guys get your nice. shirts, by the way? I've not oh. gotten mine yet, but I did get the notice in email that it had shipped. So I'm you, hoping you it can comes in those, tomorrow. Uh, I was kind of thinking that I know I sent Nick's uh, box with Jesse's stuff and his stuff priority. I was kind of thinking maybe you'd get that today. Oh, well, hopefully huh. tomorrow. Yeah. Well, cool. I will now look I again tomorrow. To look yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you will probably get yours tomorrow as well, Justin. Uh, there's a, I, you know, we got a little treat from uh, our friends down at Orlando Hilly Blowout. Carrie Shirley and Burt Cameron sent us each uh, uh, OHB shirt, so that'll be in there as well. Thank you guys for sending thanks, that out. Sweet. Thanks, guys. Yeah, yes. That's awesome. And thanks thanks for all of our absolutely incredible and awesome Florida listeners for just representing. Yeah. And everyone, all of our listeners that traveled down there and went to that event and supported the nation there, we absolutely received all of the love that you guys gave. We heard about all of yes. it. So uh, thank you. We really appreciate that. And hopefully... 
you know, it's that kind of stuff. When you guys, um, you know, are out at events this next coming year, uh, this really, everything that we do and that, um, you know, we create and come up with and try and make happen, you guys are just as much of, uh, you guys are the reason for that. Absolutely. So if you want more, uh, if you you want more from RC Heli Nation, it it does not and it never will cost anything except talk about it, spread the word. You know, it's it's a numbers game for us. So the more exposure we get out there, and the more positive feedback that we get, uh, the more that we will be able to do. And I think that's what Dan was kind of hinting at yeah. is that we have incredible, phenomenal listeners. Yes, we do, and that have that have contributed and, you know, really come together uh, as a, it sounds kind of cheesy, but come together as a nation to help grow the nation. And every single time that you say something out at the field, that is helping. Every time. It helps us get bigger and grow bigger and be able to do more stuff to be able to give back, not just to you guys, but to the hobby in general. So thank you, and keep up being awesome. I I cannot yeah. think of a group of you know listeners or supporters that are better than the ones that we have. Yeah, it's it's agreed completely. It's hundred yeah, percent. Uh, it's it's humbling, and it's uh, it's kind of strange to 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 be in this position because I mean it's 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 just humbling. I, I don't know how else to put it. I mean. You know, we just kind of do what we do, and um, and we've said it all along. It, it's it, you know, this is definitely a labor of love. There's a lot of work that goes into what we do, but we wouldn't have it any other way, and we enjoy the shit out of it. It's essentially another hobby on top of an already fantastic hobby. It is a hobby within yeah. a hobby, and we just enjoy that the shit is. out of it. You know, and uh, it's it's nice to see the support. And man, did we see it uh, from all of our friends in Florida at the Atlanta Hoglout. So thank you. It was, uh, it was fantastic. I have one more thing. One more thing before we, before we get out of here. And I'll, I'll keep this short and sweet, and I'm not going to get into detail with it. Keith Robertson, I know you're listening. You are badass, dude. You are absolutely badass. You made... My whole year. Do not give up. Keep flying. And thank you. That's all I'm going to say. Thank you. I'm not going to lie. That email gave me what I refer to as the wet face. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for proving I still am a large sissy. (laughs) (laughs) No words. Yeah. Yeah. No words. Uh, It's... um, Maybe at some point down the line, I know that I'm not prepared to talk about it, but maybe at some point down the line we can share that with our listeners. Yep. Uh, yeah. It, it, if we, if I had to go and talk about this, the show would be aired on like the oxygen. Yeah. Mess. And for those of you listeners um, that, that can remember, we had that interview with uh, with uh, Seth Killian. Multiply that. By about ten, it was. It was. Yeah. It's. It, thank yeah. you for the letter, and that's pretty much all I need to say about it. Moving yeah. along, <laughs> hats, 
be sure to order a hat if you're in, you know, we uh, still got some and we get, we get them weekly still, right, Nick? We're still getting them weekly. Yeah. As needed. Oh, yeah, no, they're, yeah. they're, they're on demand. If they, I mean, we're getting them consistently out next day on some, two days after you order on others. So definitely fantastic hat. I uh, wear mine every day, even to work. <laughs> I've been I've been very happy with them. It's it's a great company that we're dealing with, and I've just yeah, it's a it's a good deal all around. Yep. Well, guys, like the and there 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 might be one more thing. Oh, you know if 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 you're not subscribed to the newsletter, oh Jesse, good point. You, yes, good call, there, dude. There could you know. With the new year upon us, there there could be something in there that you guys might want to check out and read. Yeah, that's you know, true. Dropping a, dropping a little hint there, but there you might, might want to look into it. There might not be. There might be. Yeah, there might. Yeah, it's a know. it's a toss up, you but you might want to you might want to check it out. Yeah, you know, as long as you're not giving away a hard time, because I already got enough. <laughs> <laughs> More to come. Yeah, so you might want to you might want to you know check out the newsletter. Yeah, I meant the I'm hard really. Time. Uh, I got to tell you, I'm looking forward to the new year. I'm looking forward to the new flying season. That's been a fantastic year. I can't wait for next week's show. I guess it's not next week's, is it? No, it's not next week's. Is it next week's? Yeah, it is. It is next it's week. It's next week's show. Oh, yeah, next week's is the the final show the of the year. The final show of the year. Do a yeah. little reminiscing. Uh, going to be a big one. We're going to talk we, about. We've got some cool stuff oh, yeah. for you guys to tell you. Oh man, going to kind of dig up some of the stuff from uh that happened this year and i got a i got a one other i'm kind of excited about this too you, you guys remember jake right mm-hmm. been talking yeah. with jake a little bit back and forth a little bit he's kind of busy right now and kind of said jake i need to get you on the show so we can kind of catch up and uh, he hasn't really told me yes but i'm kind of thinking now that i mentioned it on the show <laughs> it's a little you're, more you're gonna get him. <laughs> Come on, Jake. Everybody please. wants to know what Jake's been up to. So, man, we I you know he was a big part of the show, and uh, I would love to catch up with him. And I'm sure a lot of listeners would as well. You bet, dude. And on that Definitely. note, wow, this has been a another long one. We're <laughs> we're having a tendency to crank out longer. We like shows. them long, <laughs> but I have a feeling if we didn't press stop we could probably just keep going oh yeah but i know i never (laughs) all righty guys this has been episode 117 we sure hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we've enjoyed making it have a good week guys we will see you next monday tune in next week later guys take it easy This has been a production of RC Heli Nation LLC and is brought to you in part by Heli Pros, KDE Direct, Progressive RC, and Jens Ace Batteries. We thank you for listening, and if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please feel free to send us an email.